Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Hey folks, welcome to the show, bang on 10am on a Saturday, put your phone down Grant, good to see you. <laughs> G'day listeners, what a great day it is, the Saturday session, Daniel McCarty's smiling, the weather, well, it's absolutely beautiful here. Good Wellington, good Wellington opening, straight into weather chat. Yeah, it's great, yeah no, it's really good and uh, we've got a fantastic show lined up, haven't we? <laughs> so distracted. You were so distracted then. Did was, you realise we'd started the show just then? Well, I was waiting for the music, and there was a little bit of a delay, and I was taking a photo of producer Ben Francis's Munnet, actually. Well, our superstar, Ben Francis. Yeah, he, he is the, the highest uh, achieving at current athlete um, on the Saturday session, isn't he? He you're, is. You're a retired. You're retired. I was a never was, um, and, and he's, elite, he's competing in elite sport. I was actually, I called myself washed up cricketer last night to someone and he said, don't talk about yourself like that. Your dad does love you. <laughs> no, Ben Francis, we do need to touch on that actually. He was in his first professional darts tournament, which we were following live last weekend. Um, and it would be interesting to hear how that went later on in the show and how mentally focused he was. Because I think sport is about being mentally focused. He was in his own. Yeah. He was in his own. Uh, we will uh, hear from Ben Francis throughout the program, of course, because he is our producer, and he is back. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, who else is appearing on the show? Well, you, we do hope, listeners. Um, 0800 150 811. Open line uh, talk. Um, we like to invite your calls, especially this hour, each and every Saturday. Um, go on. Join in on the conversation. It, it is an open forum. If there's something you want to get off your chest or your mind, uh, now is the chance. I'll repeat that number. It is toll-free. The lines are open. You'll get through right now. 0800-150-811. You can also text us on double eight double three. We've got a, a superb legends chat coming up after eleven o'clock. Talk about getting in a in a in a, a good headspace. Um, our legend had to do that uh, repeatedly over her career. Yeah, well, um, it's someone that I used to see running in uh, Kelburn, and then I would drive to Newtown five minutes later, and she'd be in Newtown, beat me to it. So um, was literally seen everywhere around Wellington running the hills of Wellington and um, really excited to hear what she has to say about her journey. Um, and that is, can I reveal who it is, Daniel? Or do we keep well, them that on the edge help- of their that, seats? That would be helpful. Well, uh, it's going to be at 10 past 11. We're going to speak to uh, Melissa Moon um, about her career. So fantastic. And stay tuned for that. How, 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 f- how quickly do you think you could go up 86 floors and 1,576 stairs? 
86 floors, 1,500. Yeah. Is it? So we're talking 70 stairs, is there? No, that's 5,000. No, that's 1,576 stairs. It's 20 stairs, oh, about 20 stairs of flight. Um, I'm thinking. Well, it's 86 floors of stairs. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think the correct answer, Ben Francis, good morning to you. Uh, you probably agree with me. I don't think I could finish that. 10 minutes. I'm not even sure I could walk that. Uh, Melissa Moon uh, once did that, who's our uh, legends, uh, in the Empire State Building race. Ten she ran up, ran up 1,576 stairs in 12 minutes, 39 seconds. That's mad. Uh, former world mountain running champ. Uh, really keen to talk to her about the Blue Planet Run Relay, which she competed a 95-day run around the world. Um, an extraordinary career. And guess what? She's out helping, I, I think, at the New Zealand Road Relay. Uh, championships today, of course. That's Forrest Gump stuff. <laughs> it really is. It, it's that's it, amazing. So Melissa Moan, uh, former uh, Halberg Award winner for Sports uh, Woman of the Year in two thousand and one, um, uh, will join the show at about what ten past quarter past eleven. She's our Saturday session legends, I guess, in association with Somerset. Think legendary here. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Uh, we've got a double dose for you. I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Grant. Um, Wellington is home of the Ranfurly Shield. Oh, I do, and the home of the uh, the mace. Yes, and, and home of the mace, and home of the most informed side in uh, New Zealand provincial rugby, he says, trying to wind up the country. <laughs> um, they looked awful after a couple of games this season. I think they won seven in a row. A really, really convincing win against uh, Waikato to lock away the shield. Um, so we're going to catch up with whom? Are we catching up with Big Bird, Dominic Bird? I actually spent time in quarantine with him. Um, well, not in a room with him. But he was in the same, um, I guess, cohort or whatever you call it. Um, myself, Martin Guptill, and Dominic Bird. So I got to meet him. It's quite the a... old couple, you and Dom Bird. Yeah. It's like Arnie and Danny DeVito. <laughs> what? Well, kind of, like the height wise. But yeah. Maybe not, you know. Me in the middle with Martin yeah. Guptill and yeah. the other side, yeah. Well, it's like a third of Danny DeVito alongside Arnie, isn't it? Yeah. He's a big man. No, he's a massive, massive unit. But um, yeah, we were, we were chatting about it because that was my. Most exciting sporting event of last weekend, the one that I was really looking forward to, uh, was the Ranfurly Shield. So for Wellington to take it home, or bring it home, uh, after there were so many critics around uh, you know, Wellington saying, oh, well, they'll keep it for a week. They better go to the schools this week, because they're not <laughs> going to have the Shield next week. Uh, so we'll catch up with Don Bird after 12 o'clock. We're also going to catch up with Joel Kane to look at the NRL Grand Final. I'm really keen to hear from our... Uh, listeners, uh, who they got in this one? There's a bit of, there's a bit of niggle. There's a, there's a real rivalry between these two sides. Um, so uh, huge game this weekend. Uh, looking forward to previewing that uh, and also discussing the NRL Grand Final. Uh, we all know uh, the biggest Warriors fan uh, in on the planet, Ben Francis, doesn't care. Uh, the NRL season finished. How many weeks ago did it finish, Ben? I've lost count. Yeah, the one New Zealand Warriors. Now, that's official. The it's one official. New Zealand Warriors. Yep. Is that one W-O-N? No, it can't be W-O-N, can it? Because that would fly in the face of everything the Warriors are about. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually not, a Warriors fan. That's I'm a, good. I'm a Warriors fan. I'm I know Warriors you're a Warriors fan. fan. Yeah. Well, you know, I was forced into it. Well, not forced into it, to be fair. <laughs> I, I, Gun to your head. I want to I support on, local son. teams. You know, I think that you should support the, the, the city you live in. And support the country you live in. That's what I believe. A uh, grand final weekend. Uh, the Panthers up against the Eels uh, at the Tote. Uh, the the, the, Eel, the Panthers rather are actually quite warm favourites. 
It is a grand final. Two-horse race. I'm not sure if this will appear on our bets. You should probably run a mile from to end the program. Uh, but uh, for, for the for the wise NRL listener uh, listening to us here on SNZ, uh, I'd love to canvas your opinion on how you see that game going on 0800 So there you go. There's the lay of the land as far as uh, we, what we have got in store. We also have uh, another uh, exciting episode of our uh, Midas Tyres um, workhorse of the week. There's some good contenders. There's some very good contenders and some good non-nominations coming up. Uh, if you want to contribute to that, uh, feel free. Here is your chance now on 0800-150-811. Yeah, when can we crack into the Midas uh, oh, nomination? Are you itching to get into it? Well, I do, yeah. Well, only because last weekend, mine all revolves around last weekend. I thought last weekend was one of the most exciting weekends of sport. You know, we had so much lined up. You had um, the Black Ferns playing Japan. You had the All Blacks playing Aussie, and we didn't know what to expect there. At Eden South Park. Africa, Argentina had implications too. Yeah, exactly. And then we had the All Whites. Um, and I know that you, you were looking forward to the All Whites. Yeah, I predicted a 2-1 victory for the All Whites. You did, and you were pretty firm. You've been pretty hot on uh, the tips that we should run a mile from, and you've been getting them pretty much on the button, but you missed out Every last weekend. Every dog has his day. How, do you, how did you feel the All Whites went? Do you feel a little I'm pretty bit flat disillusioned? About it. I, I'm a little bit flat about uh, the All-Whites and those performances against Australia. Not scoring a goal is obviously now a bit of a thing for this side. That's five games in a row that they have not scored. I'm also feeling a little bit deflated. It was great seeing 35,000 people at Eden Park. Sorry, New Zealand rugby. Uh, 35,000 people at Eden Park. That, that, that was fantastic. It's a shame that the team you know, just didn't fire many shots, excuse the pun. But there I'm feeling a little bit deflated to hear... There's again rumblings of discontent between New Zealand football and the players. A really interesting story from Michael Burgess uh, for those um, uh, who, who want to read it verbatim uh, at the New Zealand Herald talking about how the players wrote to New Zealand football asking, can we get more games in the November window? New Zealand football's has basically come back to them and said, computer says no. Uh, computer being the finance committee um, have basically said, and I know you've, you've read the article too, Grant, mm. um, too too much money, too much risk. We we don't want to play. So New Zealand football is not going to have a game in the November window, or the All Whites that is, and they haven't even locked one in for March yet. So well, what? We've just had thirty five thousand people at Eden Park, and say so you're going to treat your fans. Well, no, you've got a sporting organisation to run, and you've got um you know things to fund. But what about the fans? You're just going to let that momentum. You're going to let that momentum go. That's why I'm feeling quite deflated, because I tend to look at these things not from a bean counter's perspective, but a football fan's perspective. Well, when you look at that, do you look at it from the perspective of, let's look after the professionals that want the game, or do you look at it from grassroots and fans' point of view? Well, I guess in this instance, I'm looking at solely from a fan of the All Whites who wants to see them play and actually perform better. Uh, as an aside, I know there's no uh, public willingness to, to back Danny Hay. You know what? That, that, that I have... That I can understand more mm. than we're just not going to play games. You know, over the last year, we've played five teams outside of the Oceania Confederation. We haven't scored a goal against any of them. Mm. And Sorry, um, since they, they beat Zambia, the, the Gambia rather, in November last year, so just under a year. My, my apologies. But that's five games against non-Oceania Confederations and no goals. I can understand that's a little bit frustrating. And playing more games will mean the players get better, they get they familiarise themselves with each other, mm. so you've got more chance of actually having a little bit of 
cohesion and synergy with the team to score goals. So performance of the team. But also you get the fans and the children that actually are passionate about football, you know, embracing the sport a little bit more, maybe playing it a bit more and making that base a little bit bigger. So everyone's a winner. Yeah, just my, just my perspective. I'm, I'm not sure if the listeners out there agree. Um, you can tell me otherwise. Uh, 0800 we'll get to our calls. Bruce, you'll be first up in just a second. The, the other thing I would like to throw out today, um, the All Blacks have won the Bledisloe, won the Freedom Cup, uh, have won the Rugby Championship. If you just look at the trophy cabinet, you go, fantastic, fantastic yeah. year, don't you? But we all know they've lost three games at home, including one to Argentina and two to Ireland. Could you? Do we need to pull out our, our grading chart again? We do. We need to pull out the Dan McCarty grading chart. I think it's a, um, it's a university grading it is, chart, isn't it? And it's the standard pass-fail grade yeah, chart that yeah. you use. But I, I'd like to hear, maybe Bruce, as we go to our lines on 0800 uh, Bruce, can you grade the All Blacks for me? Go on. Give them their mid-year grade. How do their mid-year, um, uh, what do you call them, exams go? What, what grade are you giving them? Tried hard, could do better. <laughs> so what? So satisfactory performance. A satisfactory performance or more uh, adequate um, evidence of learning? Uh, no, look, I've, I've done a prosthesis on this and spent hours of, of analysis in, over the last few months, Daniel. It literally is a, it's the new position in world rugby at the moment. Times have changed. And you get uh, you get cycles, and you get um, uh, groups of fantastic players, and it moves around the world. And we uh, we're on the sort of downward ebb at the moment. And you know, so, we're just sitting there. So I, I, I'm detecting you're going to go with um, an adequate performance and some evidence of learning. So you're going to give them a C minus, despite them winning all those trophies. You know what? I don't think there's a wrong answer in this because there were some real highs and real lows. Well, how about this? You're out from the, the big the big dance. You don't want to show all your all your tricks. You want to keep your powder hidden, whatever. Ah, oh, uh, that old chestnut. We've adequately moved through the season, the year. We've got a few uh, useful, as I spoke to Justin, um, um, last week about the Northern Tour, how valuable that's going to be to work out, um, to get experience right. and to work out combinations. That's very important because there's not a lot of rugby after that next year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the way I say it. Okay, Bruce, well, I broke all convention by asking you a question to yep. start this. You actually called us. Uh, very rude <laughs> yeah. of me, but hey, Bruce, you know that's how I roll. Uh, what would you like to discuss today? Performance of the week, Daniel Hillier. Winning his yes. second um, <clears throat> golf challenge, Swiss challenge. Um, it's rocketed him up to about 13th position in the, uh, the second tier below the European um, competition. And all going well. He's, he's not doing bad at the moment as well. All going well, he'll finish off and he'll qualify to be playing in Europe at the top tier, which will be absolutely outstanding for another New Zealand golfer. He's about 24. He has got huge potential, very talented golfer, and I look forward to seeing him uh, taking the spoils in the future. Here we are. Hey, Bruce, I want to ask you something. With Daniel Hellier, obviously mm. uh, exceptional talent. He's young. 
Um, what? How would you feel if suddenly he signed up for the LIV tournament? Crikey, any controversy? Yeah. Yeah. How would you feel? Because I mean, it's a real, real problem, isn't it, in the world of golf? The 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 problem. What hurts so many? Uh, I guess tragic golfers that have had careers in golf and <clears throat> for many years. It, it's sort of um, it throws um, dirt in a lot of people's faces with the history and the all the stuff that the PGA has has gone through in the last hundred years or whatever. Suddenly, it's on. Oh, money is everything, and it it just mm. it, it really hurts me, and I. I get quite angry that these um, these successful players that aren't successful anymore, it's probably past their best, you know, Phil Mickelson's and co, be going out there and saying, oh no, well, we've got a right to to play in another competition and earn five times the amount, and we should be able to play in yours as well. From the past, it's just wrong. I'm sorry, and a lot of I think a, a lot of people are torn, but a lot of people probably agree with what I've just said. So. Yeah, I know. I know where you yeah. stand, where you're coming from, Bruce, and I and I think I've articulated this on the show. I, I really do struggle mm. to comprehend those who have been on the circuit for long, who have made tens upon mm. tens of millions of dollars. Obviously, this tour yeah. looked after them, I think, particularly well. And then for them to turn their back on, it's the ones who have battled. Yeah, you know, who who haven't made mega bucks. I, I can understand that, and, and I'm conflicted because nation states are allowed to trade with this country, but what the individual is not. There's an element of hypocrisy there, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you agree, yeah, Grant? Absolutely. Well, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, what I see is I see the international game. I, I love sport because of patriotism. You know, you, you live in New Zealand, you support New Zealand, and New Zealand are playing against Australia, and it's great. Uh, so you'll support a New Zealand golfer even if they're playing on the lift tour? No. LIV? No, 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 because I think that you need to play those um, international sporting games, whereas I feel... But it's not an international no, sport. It's an individual sport. It is. But what what I think is that we're losing the, those uh, patriotic um, games, internationals uh, versus each other. I think everything is becoming privatized. Mm. They're becoming private entities, and um, golf is obviously going that way. But you look at it. Your sport's gone that way? Uh, our sport is going that way. I, I, I worry about test match cricket, and I think, are we going to see test matches in the future of, you know, England versus New Zealand. Well, there'll be short tests as everyone's man-catting each other now. <laughs> yeah, they will be a bit shorter. <laughs> and I don't want to lose that because I think that's the passion and emotion of, of what sport stands for. Before we let you go, Bruce, you wanted to say something? Oh, look, it's the other side of it as well. You've got, you've got these players, Patrick Reed and co, sort of refiling bloody lawsuits against the PGA and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's insane. I mean, who's? Mm. It, it's always about money, and it's it's so wrong. You know, the lawyers are going to make bloody millions out of it. What? what <laughs> how how are they not satisfied with their last ten or fifteen years, earning a few million dollars a year and playing the game they obviously were passionate about? Yeah, um, yeah. And then, of course, of course, where's it come from? Um, that's another whole uh, bag of worms, really. And the people that are funding it. Um, I don't even want to go there, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to wind you up too much, Bruce, but lovely to hear your voice, mate. Appreciate your thoughts. Go have a great Saturday. Love your show, guys. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Th- thanks, Bruce. Oh, 800 Open line talk throughout the hour. Please uh, join us. This is an open forum. Um, 
LIV just popped up to conversation. If there's something you want to bring up, uh, feel free. Um, the one question, uh, I, I want people to grade the All Blacks. We're, Northern Tour last year, I'd flagged a long time out. That's the real litmus test. That's the true test. Then the All Blacks go and re-sign their coach before that. <clears throat> it's complicated matters in my mind, but if we're to give them, you know, the the halfway through the, the university year, what grade what grade would you give them? Well, can, I, I think can you Bruce bring up was leaning grades? to adequate with the evidence of learning. Yes, which is a C minus. Which is a C minus. On your grade. On my grade. 50 We're, to 54%. Satisfactory performance is a C. A satisfactory to good performance is a C plus. Good performance overall, but some weaknesses, B minus. A good performance would be B. What grade would uh, you, um, listening to us here on SCNZ, uh, give the All Blacks 0800 We'll take a short break. It's 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, back with more of your calls. We'll have editor-at-large as well. Uh, please feel free to join us. Good beats, but I'm, I'm looking forward to Coolio at some stage. I'm a little bit, Coolio? I'm a little bit sad of his passing during the week. Did Coolio pass Wait, Where have you been? I'm so sorry to hear where that. Where have you been? Well, I was about to, you know, I love Coolio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had memories of 1995 come flooding back. It seemed like yesterday. Yeah. Teenage tunes. Driving around, listening to that. What was his but song? But you're, you're a gangster's paradise, Gang- mate. Come on, mate. He's had a few. I'll yeah. see you when I get there. Yeah. Yeah, one, two, three, four, yeah. The listeners have missed me singing, I Yeah, think. I know. Um, and commentating. Oh. We're surprised you didn't get scooped up um, by the ATP Tour after your performance last Saturday. <laughs> uh, that was the biggest stitch-up of all time. Uh, so I've been reflecting on that quite a bit, I don't think Daniel. I don't think it was that big a stitch-up. It was. Getting Rhino the Wino on, yeah, that, that was a bigger stitch-up. That was good. Um, he does rear his, his head every now and then and, and on Twitter. But it, it was a stitch-up because, on reflection, I left the studio and I was like, what was I doing? I was commentating tennis in a golfing <laughs> accent. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I've never really heard commentators commentate tennis. Because when you watch on the it radio. on TV, it's dead quiet. Well, that's television. This yes. is radio. It's a completely different forum. And I started thinking, well, how do they commentate? And they don't. With great difficulty. Yeah. Well, they only commentate at the end of the rally and in between. Well, on television, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about the radio commentators no. in, in the tennis world. They do it with great difficulty. It is a very, very challenging sport. So I did a great job. Uh, for radio. And, and those who do it, I have huge admiration for. Um, I'm not sure if you tick that box. Uh, 0800 That's our number. You can text us on double eight double three. Before we get to more of your calls, uh, let's reflect on the sporting news of the day. As you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday, time to unpack all the sport you may have missed out on during this segment. We will probably add in some unwarranted um, and off-the-cuff opinion. So let's go. Uh, Hawks Bay, are they the, the bay or is there another bay? I think Lyle Bay is, in fact, the bay. Yeah, Lyle Bay is. The there you go. Bay. Up yours, Bay of Plenty and Hawks Bay. Uh, Lyle Bay's better. And Worsa Bay and Oriental Bay and Scorching Bay. Scorching Tatahi Bay. All the bays. Uh, anyway, uh, Hawks Bay have kept their MPC quarterfinal hopes alive with a 25 17 uh, win over the Marco of Tasman at a rain sodden McLean Park in Napier. No sunstrike causing issues there yesterday. Uh, the result puts Hawks Bay level with Waikato for third in the conference and must now await the outcome of Otago's home game against top of the table and looking rather ominous Canterbury. That is coming up tomorrow on the Sabbath. Um, anything less than a bonus point win will now see the Southerners fall short of the playoffs. Good luck, Otago. Hope it goes well. Meanwhile, Tasman still hold fourth spot in the other conference, but only two points clear of Northland, uh, who hosts winless Manawatu. 
in the far north uh, this weekend. Kaikohua, I think uh, that game is uh, being played. Oh, the Tanifa are going great, aren't they? As to snow sports we go, Grant Elliott, um, still waiting for you to do your ski jumping um, and also get the flying carrot on. Sorry, flying tomato. Sean White. Snowboard star Zoe sadowski Sinnott uh, has taken out the top award at S- Snow Sports New Zealand's annual awards evening last night. Uh, sadowski Sinnott was crowned overall athlete of the year at the c- ceremony in Wanaka um, after a season in which she captured New Zealand's first ever gold at a Winter Olympics, winning the women's slopestyle final. It was probably the most obvious um, major award winner um, this year, I would think. Yeah, I, I There's think, your Halberg Award winner there too. Well, I, I mean, think. she's been unbelievable. And what's even more unbelievable is the support from her dad. I know he went viral with his uh, comments about her perfor- gold medal performance. But what I'd be fascinated to hear about from her perspective is once she got the gold medal, how much she's grown in confidence. Because as a sports athlete, you kind of you don't believe and you've got fear of failure. And then suddenly... You're, you're singing journey to yourself at every opportunity. Yeah, and you've, you're not stopping believing. validated how good you are. You get the gold medal. So she's just flying at the moment, and she's just going to get better and better as her career goes on. Uh, she does uh, fly. The 21-year-old also secured silver at the Big Air event in Beijing while winning golds in the Slopestyle and Big Air at the prestigious Winter X Games. She's quite talented and 21, just 21, and has been around for years mm. already. And an incredible career ahead of her. Uh, it's already been an incredible career. Congratulations to her. To cricket, Phil Salt smashed an unbeaten 88 from 41 balls as England stormed to an eight-wicket win over Pakistan in their 60 international. Yes, six of them. I'm not sure how this prepares you for a World Cup in Australia playing six games in Pakistan. But, hey, that's the way England rolled. There were no man-cads in this game, I don't think. No, the, p- uh, the pitches I, I don't aren't think. too bad. The pitches Are they aren't too bad in Pakistan. Well, I mean, the, the only thing I'm concerned about looking at that result is that there can be the due factor in Pakistan. Mm. So if you bat second, due's up. It's nice, it's bat. Whereas at the beginning, it's a little bit slower. But not terrible conditions. Okay. Uh, chasing 174, the win in Lahore. Salt bludgeoned his way to a 19-ball half-century. That's quite fast. The third fastest by an Englishman in T20 Internationals, to be exact. The Pakistan bowlers were quite salty as a result. <laughs> Where's, Where's my drum? drum? Where's my drum? That, if that does not deserve it, that yeah, deserves yeah. a drum. That was yeah. so bad. Pun utterly intended. Um, send your complaints to Grant Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more that. Um, it was an impressive display of hitting. The series is 3-all. Oh, I can't wait for that seventh game and a decider. I'm so excited by seven-game international T20 series. Uh, To the NFL, hey, this was really disturbing. Did you see this yesterday? Um, There have been calls for immediate changes to the NFL's uh, concussion protocols after a scary sight during the Miami Dolphins' loss to Cincinnati uh, yesterday. Dolphins' uh, Quebec tour, Tangavailoa, was chased down and thrown to the turf by Cincinnati's Joshua Tupo in the first half. He remained down for more than seven minutes. The fingers were all crinkled and weird, it just looked so uncomfortable it wasn't, ple- you know good viewing, he was taken to hospital with reported head and neck injuries but just four days ago Tangavailoa suffered a similar scary injury during the Dolphins win over the Buffalo Bills, though uh, for their part, the Dolphins had advised the world that it in fact was a back injury despite the footage looking wildly suspicious to a man who had concussion, when he got to his feet, walked and then staggered down Okay, we are we are trying to play um, doctor by proxy by watching TV. Um, 
you like to think you like to think that uh, the medical team at the uh, the Dolphins have acted with integrity, but um, well, the NFL has a bit of a checkered past, doesn't it? Well, there's an inquest in it, into it as whether the protocol was followed, um, and you think with those teams, I mean, they've got some real medical mm. professionals now, and they have to be so careful with the concussion protocols. They've got it in in cricket now as well. I mean, you can have a concussion mm. replacement um, in cricket where, yeah, I always think that that, that rule is going to be a little bit dodgy. They might just replace a number 11 batter with someone who can actually hold a bat to win a game. Mm. And we'll wait to, to see if that rule is ever, um, I guess, used to the advantage of another team. But that was, that was scary what happened in that NFL yeah. game. Right, that brings about an end to editor-at-large in association with dot, 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 enter company's name here. Get in contact with us. How you don't want to be involved in this little segment, I'll never understand. No, that's not a drum, mate. That, that's not worthy of a drum. I'm outraged. I need to throw to a break before we get back to more people's calls. 0800-150-811. Back after this. All choked up. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a... <laughs> Weird Al. That, that, is that the parody? Coolio had massive beef with Weird Al after this. They, they made amends eventually, but he did not like being parodied. Parodied. Parodied? Why not? It's a, um, it's a compliment. Yeah, it's it? a sign that you have made it. Yeah. You have made it. Yeah, but they, they finally put that to bed. I'm trying to think what the sign would be that you've made it in, in cricketing terms. Oh, you do get parody accounts. You get social media parody accounts. Yes, there is that. Absolutely. Have you have you seen the have you seen the movie trailer for the the Weird Al film with Daniel Radcliffe? What? There's a Weird Al film. There's a Weird Al film I, coming I did, out. This is news to me. This is news to me. I am interested. Just Google it. There's a there's a movie coming out like a is a biopic film about his life. About Weird Al's life. Well, if he's getting a movie, Grant, there's still hope for you, mate. <laughs> there's still hope for you and. Shots of you and Dale walking along the beach. That's your dog, not Dale's dog. <laughs> now, we, we were, we were um, during the break, we were talking about the grading of the All Blacks. Again, we're, still, we're so confused yeah, about I'm this. Yeah, I'm so confused about this. And do, do, do tell us um, what you think on 0800 150 I'm struggling to put a grade on their performance well, to date. Yeah, I looked at your grading system, and it's obviously got a um, It's full of integrity. It's full of integrity, Yeah, my, my grading system. I've completely ripped it off Victoria University, or are they now Wellington University? I don't know. So, so you can get a B-, minus, which is a good performance overall, but some weaknesses. And that's yeah, yeah, you're like twenty. You're like thirty percent off. You know, yeah, getting a hundred percent. So there is definite signs of weaknesses there. But then I look at an E, which is a fail, even though we took home the, you know, the the treats, a few trophies. Well, in the which, rugby championship, Bledisloe Cup, Freedom Cups, fair, they lost. what was probably the Steinlager Series Cup to Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, that's a big. That was a big bruise. Now th- this is a, a midpoint twenty percenter. But I think there'll be some All Blacks fans that will think well below the required standard. So you think there's a lot of people out there who would give them an E? Well, only because it says well below the required standard. And I, I think because the standard that the All Blacks normally set is a lot higher than what we saw. Mm. So that's what I mean it's by like that. when you did your PhD. Yes. You know, you had a you know, you know, very, very high you know, level of... You know, work needed to be provided just just to progress, and I'm sure there are a lot of fans out there who are still probably putting them in the well below the required standard fail 
or an E, or even D, which is poor performance overall, some evidence of learning. Fail. Ben Francis, I'm guessing, is probably going to be in the C minus C category. That's where I sort of find myself. I'm fluctuating like a honeymooner. I'm up and down like a honeymooner on this one. I I can't make up my mind. That's why I need some help. 0800 811 or 8833. Hello, Ben. Morning. Um, I just put words in your mouth. Am I right? You'd probably go in the C, C minus area. Or I, I might even go a little bit lower. I might even say like a D. Yeah, so you're in the poor performance overall, some evidence of learning. I, I can get that. They they got better, didn't they? They got better. They had to well, some better. coaches along the way, but they got better. Oh, there was so much controversy, Ooh. wasn't there? Just around the team. You hear the controversy around the All-Whites and the coach and uh, the board, and there just seems to be a lot of, um, I guess, not as much synergy and cohesion, and everyone's on the same page. I think it's sporting. Well, the sports teams need that. You need your board, you need your execs, your CEO, and your coach. Joined up thinking. Yes. Some joined up thinking. Synergy. Even if they're not, publicly they need to be. But uh, there's one thing that I want to speak about, and one of our listeners has brought it up. We flagged this last week. I I hate to, you know, blow our own trumpet, but we did we did bring up the man care and the changing. (laughs) We did the changing of, well, the, the. how they label it from a act of unfair play to a, a legitimate mode of dismissal, a run-out. We actually did wonder out loud if this would encourage more people to try the man-cad. Lo and behold, Dipti Sharma, with a game and a series on the line, England needing 17 runs in their uh, series uh, against the Indian women's side. Dipti Sharma, the, the right-arm off-spinner. There you go. Charlie Dean, you're out. Yeah. Thanks for coming. We win the series. Ta-da, bye-bye. And uh, the English cricket community has collectively lost their mind and got all pious on the rules of all of a sudden. And have yet to make made any mention of Kumar Damasena. <laughs> well, uh, the reason why I knew that happened straight away is I woke up and there were a lot of Indian fans tagging me in tweets. And I was like, what have I done now? And um, I had a look, and they were saying to England, have you forgotten about the run-out with Grant Elliott when there was oh, a yes. collision with side bottom? It was a 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I don't know how that's relevant to this mode well, of they, dismissal. They seem to think that that wasn't, you know, there was no sportsmanship. Did you get an apology for that? I Can I ask you this? Because there's a lot of English fans on social media saying Paul Collingwood has apologised repeatedly for that incident. Has he ever apologised to you, Grant? Have you ever been apologised to? I, I played in a uh, team with Paul Collingwood and? in Pakistan. It was the first team how, to go back to Pakistan. How many years after? Uh, what was this? This was 2018, so it was eight years after. And uh, Andy Flower, who was coach of that team, was also coach of our team in, in Pakistan of which me and Paul Collingwood were in the team. And uh, we spoke about it. And he said that uh, the biggest mistake he made was actually apologizing to the change room. So he apologized. So he did come in and apologize. He came in and apologized to the change room. Um, he said, you know, made a split-second decision and it was the wrong one. But then Andy Flower chimed in. He said, the biggest mistake you made was apologizing. You shouldn't have apologized. You should have just gone, that's how we play the game. We'll play it hard. We'll play it to win. Um, but we don't play fair. So, well, it, I mean, it was a it was a tough one for the listeners that haven't seen it. I dropped the ball down just in front of me for a quick single, and then I started running. And Kyle Mills was running down the right side, and Ryan Sidebottom was running down the left side. So Big I had left to, arm over. Yeah, so I had to sort of try and bolt through the middle of them. 
Because Sidebottom's going for the ball. He's going he for was the ball. legitimately going for the ball. Yeah. So and it does seem like a coming together. Yeah. And I, I weighed oh, all of maybe like 55 kilos. Still do. Sidebottom's and, hair weighs more than that. <laughs> and we collided. His knee went into my quad. And I, I got a corked leg from it. So I was lying on the ground. Ian Bell whips the ball up, throws it into oh, Kevin Peterson, who takes the, the bales off. They appeal. I'm, then I just run through to the other side of the um, uh, of the pitch, and I lie down. And the physio comes, and I go, well, they're not going to appeal for that. Well, they did. The bales were off. You know, Richard Branson's love child, Ian Bell, had taken the bales off. Uh, the spirit of cricket, the spirit of cricket preamble, which is actually not in the laws. It's a preamble, after all, would suggest they don't appeal, and they recall you. They did not. The umpires, and then all are uh, expletive. Yeah, well, the umpires said to Paul Collingwood, because he said, yeah, I'm going to appeal. And they said, are you sure you don't want to retract this appeal? And he said, yes. And they didn't. Gave me out. Uh, we subsequently, we needed... Won the game, didn't we? We needed two runs of six balls. Mark Gillespie, last wicket. Oh, never in with doubt. Kyle Mills. Never in doubt with Dizzy there. First five balls, dot, 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 <laughs> all to cover. Now we need two off the last ball. He hits it to cover, runs. Graham Swan has a throw at the stumps. There's about four people backing up. It goes through all of them. We run through for the second and win. So karma. I was about to say, can we get some radio hit and karma police here? Karma won. Yeah. Karma won that game. So uh, that was my first um, right. experience of the spirit of cricket. Spirit of cricket. We won it that year again. <laughs> didn't win many trophies, but we won the spirit of cricket. But it's not but, only... Like, just stay... Like, back to the original topic. Mate, just stay in your crease. No. Just stay in your crease. Watch until the ball has been bowled. This has been my take for ages. And you can bring up the laws. Absolutely fine. But take all risk out. You know, control the controllables. Can I use one of your lines that, you know, sports people have been telling me for years? Control the controllables. You can control it as a non-striker. Just just get out. Leave your crease when the ball is out of the hand. Because you know what? They can't run you out when they actually don't have the ball. I know that. I'm not the smart man, Grant, but I know it's pretty hard to run someone out when you don't have the ball. Well, you know that I disagree with you on this whole man-cad thing. I think it's an absolute abomination. But an abomination! One of, the, one of the rules... Someone's trying to cheat! Well, not in, I don't think Charlie Dean was trying to cheat in this instance. She was just wildly absent-minded. She didn't watch the ball. No. I, the, the reason why I disagree with you is because in the rules it says, it says if the non-striker is out of his or... It, it says his ground. It should say his or her ground, ICC. Uh, from the moment the ball comes into play to the instant when the bowler would normally have been expected to release the ball. So not when the bowler releases the ball, it's when the bowler would have been expected to release the ball. So that's your normal action. Now what Charlie Dean did is that Deepti Sharma, back foot goes on the crease, front foot goes on the crease, and you think, oh, okay, well that's when she'll normally release the ball. She doesn't. She holds on to it and almost does a little dummy bowl. And of course you leave your crease and she takes the bales off. Now, there was photos of Charlie Dean. It was after Deep T. Sharma took two or three steps and then took the bales off. It showed her... Because Charlie Dean's not three watching! Three metres down. She's not watching! Yeah, but then you, all you get is... So it should have gone to third umpire to show whether or not she was in her correct bowling stride and she was actually imitating bowling or whether she 
she just pretended to bowl it. Yeah, but then, then, then the MCC put out a thing, um, their own statement. This was done to clarify this matter and to place the onus on the bat. The onus is on the batter to ensure that they do not leave their crease at the non-strikers end prior to the ball, the, bo- the bowler releasing the ball. You'd have one job as a non-striker, right? It's to run between the wickets well. You have one job. You can't even do that. Okay, here we and, go. And cricketers, now cr- cricketers are complaining all the time about this. Okay, I've got a... Except a, One Nation, who, by the way, ha- appears to um, have some recidivist offenders on this. For what it's worth, I wouldn't want to run someone out like that. You know, and I probably would do the warning thing, even mm. though I think there's a, an argument to say I don't need to. Mm. If you're cheating, you're cheating. I, d- I just think it, th- this should not. This could so easily be resolved by the non-striker just watching the ball. Well, you were told that at, at what age? When you were about, watch the ball. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. Hit the ball. Watch yeah. the ball. See the ball. Run. What about um, okay in tennis? You've got foot faults, which is that uses technology now. Doesn't have someone going damn foot fault. Um, what if you've just got the you know, the batter has to stay in the crease before the ball is um, is released. As soon as it's released, you have to still be in the crease, and then you can go. Well, that's kind of what the law's saying, but kind of not what it's saying. I, I completely understand where you're coming from, the grey the, the gray in the, the law itself, but if I was coaching or a captain, I'd just say, can we watch the ball, please? Mm. Can we, Charlie, just watch Dipti Sharma, who, who dawdles in, who absolutely dawdles in. If someone is going to have a man cut, I would highly suspect it's Dipti Sharma. Uh, just the nature of her action. Can we just watch the ball and then get out of our crease once it's released? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've I've looked up instances of man-catting in all cricket. Yeah. We've got first-class cricket. And You've got about 30 cricket. seconds. But there's also instances of not man-catting. So that's people that... Who ran through, stopped, and then... Yeah. And then they've warned them. And how many of them won the Spirit of Cricket Award? Well, just having a look at it, Ravi Chandran Ashwin wouldn't have because he's... He's run out, uh, Josh Butler. <laughs> but he's run but out. There's a few names in here that are repeat offenders, I'll tell you that much. Brilliant. There's stuff. a lot of repeat offenders on the man. Yeah, it's a really interesting debate, isn't it? It's a legitimate debate because I, I really can see both sides of this argument. I just think watch the ball, control the controllables, Grant. Oh. Oh, don't eye roll me, mate, after your synergy and joined up thinking. <laughs> I can throw cliches if you can. Brilliant stuff. Um, keep your thoughts coming into double eight, double three. It's 10 away from 11. Five minutes away from 11, coming up to the top of the hour. Thanks to everyone who's contributed uh, as we open the lines and the text lines. We'll continue to read your text messages. Um, as for when we'll open the lines again, uh, unsure because we've got uh, a busy old show after 11. Uh, our legend is not far away, Grant. Oh, not far away at all. And You're tired just reading her bio, aren't you? Oh, there's so much about wh- what she's done. Um, you go into, obviously, Wikipedia. That's the source of oh, right, a lot of truth. Right. Yeah, we're all... But Good journalists and broadcasters go. So many articles here about what she's done um, in her her career, which spanned, I think, more more like 20, over 20 years. Yes, kind of still going. One of those people can't give it up. Melissa Moon, uh, former New Zealand Sportswoman of the Year, former Halberg Award winner, World oh. Mountains and Running champ, Empire State Building stair climbing champ. Really interesting career. Uh, we'll catch up with her at about... Uh, quarter past 11. We'll talk the NRL grand final after 12. Also catch up with Don Bird from uh, the Wellington Lions. Uh, Wellington home of the Rand Furley Shield. Shield. Thanks for and that. the mace. And the mace. All still to come. Stay with us here on SCNZ.
11 a.m. That was interesting. Saturday session. What theme tune is that? Yeah, really interesting. Grant, do you is know? Dad's Army. Is that when, when you used to call us Dad's Army? The Wellington Firebirds. Yeah. Gee, you guys took that to heart, didn't you? We did. You won the title, though. We did. Mm. We lost five out of five and then came back after getting fired up by Stop media. Dodging. Stop dodging the question. Do you know the theme tune? No. No idea. Do you, do you want to give him a hint, Ben Francis? It's a from a classic TV show involving uh, puppets. Mm. Thunderbirds. Oh, the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds oh. are go. Gary. Not that one. <laughs> no, no. No, Team America. <laughs> greatest puppet movie of all time. The, the greatest cinematic love scene that the world has ever known. Shh. I promise. I will never die. Uh, what have we got? Melissa Moon's about eight and a half minutes away. Um, on this program every week, Grant, uh, we have a little segment um, in association with our, our dear friends Midas Tyres called Workhorse of the Week. Who or what team has been the hardest worker of the week? Who has been uh, toiling the land and bringing out the best of who we are as New Zealanders and sports fans uh, worldwide? Um, Midas Agritise, the choice of leading manufacturers. Midas Agritise, European quality made affordable. Um, get your nominations, listeners, through to double eight double three. Who has been toiling hard? I, I would like to, to make a nomination slash non-nomination mm. uh, for the legal department at the Watford Football Club um, who have been forced to do a lot of work over, not only this week, this year, this, this decade. Um, they, they sacked their manager, Rob Edwards, um, 10 games into the season. Well, a manager gets sacked every three days. 10 games is not a lot of games, is it, Grant? No. How many it, tests did you get? Five. Yeah. I should have been given at least yeah. ten. You should have given. I felt like 10. I was just getting into cheated. my work. You were cheated. Yeah. You were cheated uh, out of uh, those other five tests. Uh, so Rob uh, Edwards, who'd won League Two Manager of the Year with Forest Green, they, you know, used a clause in his contract to, to get him to Watford. Made a song and dance about him being, uh, you know, the great saviour. We'll get back into the Premier League. We're in the Championship. We're, we're building a project here. We're definitely in behind them for the long term, and we're going to change our spots. Well, 10 games in, they've uh, proved once again they are leopards because um, they've uh, now appointed Slavon Bilic, who was their 17th manager, 17 managers in 10 years. Oof. 17 managers in 10 years. So um, my uh, nomination slash non-nomination for the Midas uh, Tires Workhorse of the Week goes to the legal department at uh, the Watford Football Club. It, it, just to give you some context of just how extraordinary the last 10 years have been under this uh, ownership group, in comparison, West Ham, who have been in existence for 127 years, have had 18 managers in their entire history. Watford have had 17 in 10 years. Wow, that's incredible, eh? But, I, you know, something that that does to the players is it just makes them go, you know what, mm. I'm just going to look after myself here. Because to try and create culture and try and create a you know, team environment, you need consistency. And that comes well, they have your consistency. Leaders. They have oh. a new manager every few <laughs> Yeah, months. I know. It's quite amazing. So uh, there you go. There's one nomination for our Midas uh, Tires, our Workhorse of the Week. Uh, in all seriousness, listeners, if you've got um, someone who has uh, impressed you with their tireless efforts on a sporting field or off it, uh, get your nominations coming through to double eight double three. Well, uh, do I get to make my nomination? Well, you can if you'd like. My Workhorse nomination of the week. Um, that, well, firstly, my non-nomination. Mm-hmm. Let's start. We'll do our nominations after 12. Mate. Yeah, my non-nomination will go to uh, New Zealand Rugby Union for 
they weren't happy that there was too much sport at Eden oh, right. Park. They didn't have the exclusivity of Eden Park. Well, it was, I thought it was great, the fact that there was so much sport on the weekend at one venue. I mean, you know, the more sport we've got, especially after the times we've been through, the better. Yeah, that story... And they packed up the stadium. Yeah, so I don't think there were empty seats. Yeah, it did come across as, we, we, it should only be about us. It did come across a little bit like that. Yeah, we needed the highlights. I was that. jealous of Auckland last weekend. I don't say that often. No, I mean so much good sport on last weekend. What a great weekend to be there! I was looking forward to Ranfurly Shield here in Wellington, but you were looking forward to the All Whites in in Auckland. But you could have gone down there on Friday. You could have watched the Black Ferns versus Japan. You could have watched the All Blacks, and then topped it off with a great weekend uh, uh, watching the All Whites. I did watch the Wellington Lions do a number on Waikato. Has, has Beaver called you? This week to get him on. Get on. He hasn't, yeah, he's, been, he's been a bit quiet, hasn't he? Yeah, he has been. A little bit quiet. But you get your nominations for our, for your sport sports workhorse of the week in association with Midas Tyres uh, through to us on double eight double three. Uh, we will take a very short break. It is almost six minutes after 11 o'clock. Uh, when we return, we are going to be delighted to welcome in our Saturday session legend, a uh, former Helberg Award winner, a sportswoman of the year, a multiple world champion, won 20 national titles in athletics. Melissa Moon joins us in association with Somerset. Think legendary care, think Somerset Retirement Villages. Ten minutes after 11 o'clock, very fitting musical choice for our next guest. He's been on a journey, to say the least. Oh, what a journey. Some miles over the years, Grant. A lot of kilometres in these legs. Absolutely. Uh, also pass, part of a group that you're still not part of, Grant, much to your uh, disappointment, <laughs> member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. Uh, if anyone caught up uh, last weekend's uh, legend segment, Grant, <laughs> on air, literally said, why haven't I got one of those yet? <laughs> you were dead set serious. Just a little dis- bit. Disappointed. Just a little no. bit. Halberg Award winner two, Sportswoman of the Year, I think back in 2001, a multiple world champion. I don't even know how many national titles she would have won. A lot is the answer. Um, Huge in the community. Wonderful person. Melissa Moon joins us. Probably somewhere out doing something athletic, I would think, Grant. Melissa Moon, thanks so much for joining us here for our Saturday Session Legends segment. Where do we find you today? Oh, hi. Um, Look, I'm down in Christchurch at the New Zealand Road Relay Champs. Are you running the Road Relay Champ, Melissa? Well, yes, yes, I ha- yes I am. Well, we've um, so it's a team event. So for all the teams, all the clubs around New Zealand come together, and we have a relay race. So I'm in the um, M50 uh, Women 50 ooh, uh, Masters 50. Um, and we have six. I know, I know. Where have the years gone? Crikey! Um, and we have six in the team, um, and we're battling it out at the moment with Sumner. Um, and we have just got ourselves into first place with our last runner. So if I start oh. screaming, <laughs> we're in the midst. This is amazing. You are, you are such a legend. You're actually competing. But, you know, I, I'll take a call from them. Yeah, absolutely. I can multitask. Yeah. Got to bother. So are you yet well, to no. run then, Melissa? Or can you commentate us through the leg that you're going to be running? No, I've already run. I got my run. I was first runner. Um, and we're we're on to our last runner now, who's Maria, who can't see. She's blind, so she's got a guide uh, running with her. And we have just taken the lead um, in the changeover. So she's probably got uh, what's the time now? Sorry about this. <laughs> no, this is great radio. I love I love I love this sort of stuff. She's, pro- 
she's currently got about 15 minutes to go, and she'll come past me with about 800 to go. So if you hear me screaming, you'll know yeah. that, yeah. So we could win. Brilliant. It looks like we Oh, that, this it's might just, time out perfectly. Yeah. Yes, now, yes. now, Melissa, it's, yeah. it's also a real bonus having a blind runner because you, you'd probably, you wouldn't tell them that they're in the lead, would you? You say that they, oh, they, no, they may be a K behind, <laughs> do you? You've got to get them, keep oh, them motivated, yeah. keep them going. Oh, t- too right. Oh, poor old Maria. <laughs> I yelled out to her. She said, you just passed her, Maria. And you know, she's literally <laughs> just in the first hundred metres. So she's got like uh, just over, you know, four point whatever it is to go. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think w- when somebody can't see, you've got because I guide Maria, you, you know, quite a bit. You, you uh, lots of feedback all the time, so they know where they're at. So yeah, uh, no, it, no surprises. It, 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 it's wonderful to hear how connected you still are to the sport. That that competitive yeah. drive is probably is probably never going to leave you, Melissa. Is it? You just simply love oh, competing. I, I think I said to you yesterday when we spoke, I, I just can't mm. vision you ever lying on a couch watching TV. Oh, and what did I say? Oh, I take my afternoon naps. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I put my hand up to that. <laughs> so so w- no, where, where, did the, this, where did the competitive drive come from, you, you think? I think you're born with it, really. I think you're either competitive or not. Um, I was I was shaped by I had three brothers very close in age, um, so we were kind of like triplets growing up, and there was no mercy with those two. Um, and so you, you know, uh, boys are competitive, and 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 uh, and I've I've always been, I think I was born competitive, and then it was really shaped by having two brothers so close in age, really. Um, who just enhanced that competitiveness all through through the years I grew up. Um, but I think you've either got it or you haven't. Um, you can learn competitiveness, but real raw competitiveness is innate, I do believe. Um, but yeah, so I think that's where it came from um, and helped being shaped by two competitive brothers. Yeah, it absolutely resonates with me, uh, Melissa. I think that there's something uh, that's built into you every day where you wake yeah. up and you go, I just want to be a better athlete, and you don't know where it comes from, but everything yeah. that you can possibly do to, to strive to be the best. But what, one of the questions totally. I've got yeah. for you is um, mm-hmm. we were talking about sporting dreams on the show um, a couple of weeks yeah. back, and I used to sort of dream about catching cricket balls or having the nightmare of not being able to pad up when I had to go in and bat. Do you ever find yourself running in your dream where your legs are going and you wake up? And <laughs> my, 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 my dream, and I know what you mean, was, was running in quicksand. <laughs> and oh, I, no. It was, like I, it was like I had mud up to my knees and, uh, and I, I could see the person in front of me and I'm trying with all my might to get them, but I'm like in quicksand. So that was my dream. <laughs> and then <laughs> shoelaces coming undone was another dream. The shoelaces came undone. So I do know what you mean. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to the, those dreams. Can we rewind to mm-hmm. sort of the, the genesis of, of, of the competitive element? I'm, I'm not just talking about at home against the family members. But getting into competitive yeah. athletics, was it always athletics, or did Melissa Moon 
sort of harbour dreams of, you know, being, I don't know, a superstar swimmer, a, a netball player, whatever it was. Did you cast the net wide with regard to the sport you played as a younger, youngin? Um, yeah, I, I think I prefer a sport where you're in full control. Uh, I think was a, I think team sports, and this is where this relay is really good because running is an individual sport, um, and I like that it just comes down to you and nobody else, um, and you're in control of everything. You don't have to. Um, and there's some wonderful things to be said about team sports, but it suits the individual themselves, whether they're they're a team sport person or they like to just be in full control of the outcome themselves and not, not have anyone else. Um, and I think I quite like that. Um, and I think it also comes back to what you're good at at school. And, you know, I did netball, I did swimming, I played cricket, I did everything, water polo. But it was always running that I seemed to have success in. And so I think as a kid, you're naturally drawn to a sport where you have some success. You know, you didn't do any training. It just mm-hmm. was a sort of a natural um, progression. Um, and then, yeah, and so that's where it, where running came from. It was the sport as a kid growing up where I seemed to achieve it. Um, and and I just followed that, that success I had early on and met the right people at the right, right coaches at the right time to bring me on a little bit further. Um, yeah, and, and so that's that's how it evolved, really. Um, but I wasn't a... Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry there's a slight delay between us and you, so if we talk over you, it's not us trying to end your sentence. Um, um, so, so hopefully sure. we can deal with that. Sorry, go Grant. Uh, um, Melissa, in the, in the height of your career, because I used to drive mm-hmm. around Wellington on my way to your cricket training, I used to see you running all over Wellington. I was like, oh, yeah. where does this person not run? <laughs> Um, now, beat your car too. Yeah, yeah. I, I would drive from Kelburne and sort of get to Newtown, and you'd beat me to it. And I didn't know how that was possible. But um, what? How many kilometres were you clocking up at the height of your career in a in a week? Right. Well, um, my coach John Davies during the height, as you say, uh, he yeah. was of the Lydiard philosophy of running. You put in big mileage. You have three months of big mileage. Uh, 12 weeks. Uh, and so big mileage would be, gosh, what would it be? About 160 Ks to 180 Ks a week. Two runs, wow. you know, two runs a day, a very long run up to three hours on a Sunday. Um, and you'd have that base, Lydiard, and he used to do this with the great uh, Peter Snell. He used to have Peter Snell, who was an 800 metre runner, run these huge miles in this foundation phase. And once you've got that foundation, like I said, of mine, 160 to 180 k's a week, everything else is built on that foundation. So, uh, so that's those, that's the um, in in you know those days gone by. Yeah, so is it fair to say, Melissa? I mean, one of the the school of thoughts that I come from um, or came from in my career was that. There's no silver bullet. Mm. It's just hard work. Is that something that you subscribe oh, totally. to? Totally. Totally. And this is the thing. You know, people see all the glory and you're winning this and winning that. They really don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And it's just bloody hard. Excuse my language. Mm. But it is. Beat hard, hard slog. It really is. Miles and miles, um, you know, dedication, 
um, putting yourself through pain after pain, having to go through all the disappointing races, and I think there are more disappointments in sport than there are successes, but holding on that that success will come one day, and that keeps driving you. But you have to get through all the disappointments to get that success, and then you look back and go, well, this is why I do it. But it is a lot of hard work, as you would know, um, Grant, through your sport at the high level, uh, and that's what it is, you know. Nothing comes easy. It's just dedication the pa- and dedication there. Hmm. Is the payoff worth it, though? When you become something like world mount- mountain running champion for the first time, you won it mm-hmm. twice, is the payoff worth mm-hmm. it? Did, and how do you celebrate? Or is it, Are you so competitive that you're like, yeah, tick that box, I'm going to get up and start you know, going for my next goal almost the next day? Nah, not really. Um, Oh, look, it's so worth it. It really is the most indescribable feeling when you reach like that world champs where it took me nine years of hard slog to to reach the highest that I could possibly go in my chosen sport, which was mountain running. Sadly, it's not a Commonwealth sport and it's not an Olympic sport, but it is a world sport. And it was such a relief, the feeling of utter relief that you have finally gone to your highest level possible is a feeling, it's indescribable and it's so worth it. And then you come down off this high, <laughs> my high lasted a long time, I might add, which was quite crazy. <laughs> <enough. laughs> you know, I mean, it really, you pinch yourself and that's a lovely feeling, you know, to say, my God, you know, I've done it, finally done it. And if you get injured or you have to retire for some unknown reason, you can retire feeling a sense of wonderful satisfaction, not what ifs. There's no what ifs. But the competitiveness does come back, and you do say to yourself, now wouldn't it be nice to try and defend that title? And so that's why I went back for a second time to defend my title two years later in Alaska. Um... And I must say, uh, uh, you win, and the feeling is different from that first feeling. Well, for me it was anyway. And there were different reasons I had to win that race. My coach, John Davies, sadly passed away six weeks before Mm. the race. And so I really, there were different things mentally and emotionally for me to win that race. And really it was for him and all the work Mm. he put in over the years for me. So you take different things from different wins, but the first time you do it, or there's that one perhaps time in your sporting career that you go, wow. And it's a wow moment, you know. Well, for me it was anyway. I suppose everyone's different. Well, Melissa, one thing I I really love about looking at your career is that it hasn't just been about you. (laughs) There's been a number Mm. of things that you've done community-wise. you yeah. know, you, you, you've played an important part of volunteering at the Compassion Centre Soup Kitchen. You've delivered mm. Meals on Wheels, worked with residents mm. with neurological conditions at St. John God of Care Facility. Yeah. You coached guided mm-hmm. and visually impaired runners uh, to compete in London Marathon, and the list goes on. Damn overachievers. Yeah. Just damn overachievers, <laughs> world champs and great people. <laughs> no, it's not. Honestly, it's not overachieving, I tell you. No. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. And so you've done some great things for the community. But in 2007, mm. yeah, that, you were part of the Blue Planet Run Relay team. 
um, where mm. it was a 95-day run around the world. 95-day run? And it was for awareness yes. of the lack of safe drinking water. Now, you went through five yes. pairs of shoes, um, yep. and you covered 25,000 kilometers, not yourself, I guess, because yep. you did one of the legs. But the leg you did, mm-hmm. it sounded like you got a raw deal. You went, <laughs> you went through the Gobi <laughs> Desert um, in yeah. Mongolia, 45 degrees heat, and you battled swarms of horseflies in Siberia. Well, now, how did they yeah. choose that leg for you? <laughs> Someone doesn't like you. Oh, no, we, all had, we all kind of had to do it. So it was a relay of 20 runners. We, we all uh, were divided into five teams of four. We ran for 24 hours um, each. It's complicated to, to describe, but we each had to suffer horse flies in Siberia. There was <laughs> Each runner had to run partway through the Gobi Desert and the Dibada Desert at 45-degree heat. Um, we all came down with stomach bugs in China. <laughs> um, it was a tough run, let me tell you. And um, it took me a year to recover. I mean, I is this her coming? This is her coming now. Sorry. Ooh. Oh, no, so commentator, commentator. Paint yeah. the picture okay. for us. Okay. Melissa yes, Moon, radio to... commentator. Add this to your bow. <laughs> well, she's on 20 minutes now. And I told her when she reaches this mark, she's got about, 800 to go, so she's on for it. She could be on for a PB. Her PB, we did about five years ago, and it was about 23 minutes 07 for 5K. She could get her PB. Go, Maria! Awesome stuff! Awesome! 600 to go! She's running very well. Round the corner. I can't hear the competitive spirit in your your (laughs) voice there, Melissa. 20 minutes 30! 20 minutes 30! You could pick up! Right, that's that done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I haven't seen that the other Sumnerano coming through yet, so it looks like we've won. Which is, oh, Brilliant, there's oh. No, there, and there's no, there's no horse flies to get in the way. So congratulations no, to no, you and your oh, team. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Yeah, getting back to the Blue Planet running, it took a year to recover from that run. I mean, it's, it was oh, wow. the only time it's ever been done, and it hasn't been repeated. And, um, <laughs> by, by the sounds, understandably so. That that yeah, sounds yeah, amazing. We're, we're, yeah. we're just getting a little bit light, light on time, and I want you to go celebrate with your team if you're going to win this too. I, I, I'd hate to hog oh, a lot more it. of your time. But but, but we, we just chatted about earlier, a little bit earlier. I asked Grant how long do you think it would take him to run up the Empire State Building and 86 oh, floors right. and 1,576 yeah. stairs. Yeah. You did it, I think, in 13 minutes, 13, and then went back and... Shaved oh, about another 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. seconds off your time. I think you were like 12 that's minutes, 30 seconds. I'm not sure I could actually yeah. walk all of them without stopping. Like, like explain it's, the physiology of running yeah. up 86 floors at the Empire State Building in New York. Oh, it, it is pure pain. It, now, that is a real <laughs> uh, real discipline, if you call that a discipline. Um, <laughs> it re- really requires your head, your, your mental toughness. Because and Grant would understand this being a cricketer and the, the, the lactic acid that you get. You know, you must get lactic acid build up when you're going from wicket to wicket, no doubt, that fast pace. Um, well, the lactic acid hits you in about four or five of the Empire State. And you know you've got 80 floors to climb and your body is starting to fill up oh. with some lactic acid because you've got to go two stairs at a time and it's fast and furious. And it's at that point, floor five, that your mind is telling your body to stop because of the pain and the lactic build-up and the breathing. 
because you must remember you're in a stairwell, which not a lot of oxygen, it's airy, all you can hear is heavy breathing, so it's a real mental exercise. And I just I had, uh, um, prior to that 12 minutes, 39 or 38 I did, I had really mapped out how mentally I was going to race that race. And I knew at four or five I was going to feel like absolutely shocking, but you've just got to push yourself through to the next couple of floors and then you know you can get yourself into a bit of a rhythm. And it's basically, it's just pure pain the whole way. It's the hardest thing I've ever, ever done. It's like lactic build-up for 12 minutes, you know, and you're breathing. But the sense, you know, the harder the pain, the harder it hurts when you finish, it's this greater sense of satisfaction. Well, you know, that's how I look at it. Um, and, yeah, to finish on top of the world's most iconic building, seeing the skyline of New York, it's something, is, you know, that you, you think, well, how many people get to do that? And, and yeah, that's, I, I love that aspect of it too. You know, this, this most iconic building, the most iconic building in the world, all the movies are done on the Empire. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, yeah, as I said, iconic building. So, that's, yeah, that's how I kind of finished my career off, was racing up the world's tallest buildings, believe it or not. <laughs> well, well, Melissa, I hope you got to enjoy the elevator on the way down. <laughs> And a few yes. celebratory <laughs> drinks at the top of the Empire State Building. Yes. But um, we've, been abs- we've been absolutely honored to have you on our Legends Chat, someone who's been in a, um, a career of athletics um, for over 20 years. Not only have you mm. um, you know, enjoyed success, um, personal success in your own sport, but also what you give back to the community. And we could hear mm. your passion firsthand today when you were commentating the race earlier on. <laughs> And that competitive nature that you've still got. So hopefully there's yeah. many more kilometers left in your legs. And uh, thank you oh, so thank much you. for coming on the, the Saturday sesh. Oh, pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You're a star, Melissa. Go well. Go enjoy another win. Go enjoy a win this time with your teammates. Thanks so much. Melissa Moon I'm, is our I'm, Saturday I'm, session legend for this week in association with Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Um, talk about taking the path less travelled. Yeah. Incredible story, incredible uh, career. You, 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 could, you could spend three hours just talking about that, that world marathon or that world relay she did in the Gobi Desert and, and Siberia with horseflies. I'm fascinated about horseflies now. What do I need to know about horseflies? How big are horseflies? Do they neigh at you? Like, can you ride a horsefly? I have so many questions about horseflies. Is it what's going a, up the Empire State Building? Is it a swarm of horseflies, or is it a? <laughs> I don't know. Are pride. They, are they, are they en- just one enormous single horse flying? Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The Empire State Building. That's. Do you know what I smell? Do you know what I smell, Ben Francis? No. I do you know, know what I smell, Ben Francis? <laughs> what do you smell? I smell another. I smell another Grand Elliot challenge. Oh, what I is, love it. What is the tallest building in New Zealand? With, with, with have to be the, the staircases. Auckland, with the staircase, Auckland Tower, wouldn't it? Come on, listeners, let, let me know. Double eight, double three. What building should we send Grant up? Knowing full well, what did she say? It took her twelve minutes thirty seconds. She basically said within thirty seconds, the lactic acid is already hurt. On, I thought she was going to say on flight fifty. No, you know, the, then the lactic acid builds up <laughs> on the fifth flight, <laughs> and you've got another eighty to go. 
So you're in a world of pain after five flights. Is it, um, isn't Grant's yeah. mansion Two got steps. a lot of steps to walk up? So maybe we could do it at his Yeah, house. true. Oh, yeah. turn it up, guys. <laughs> to go past the staff. <laughs> a bit like Gone with the Wind when he gets home. No, I, I would happily do I enjoy uh, running upstairs, so I'd happily do that. Oh, so you'll I, happily I, run up the, high, the tallest building that we can find. The uh, SCNZ listeners now uh, are going to text us, double eight, double three. Let's do it. How many, how many flights? What is the tallest building in New Zealand that Grant can run up? I, I'd love this. We'll slap, unlike the Ramfilly Shield, which I didn't get a GoPro on it last week. Sorry, even though I got to, got to hold it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get a GoPro on. Absolutely. I'm, I'm we'll keen mic you one. up so we can hear the pain. Interesting to hear Melissa say that was the hardest thing she's ever done. Yeah. but I mean, She's running the Gobi Desert in Siberia. Really nice way to finish her career, though. As she said, you know, you, you finish at the top of the Empire State Building and you probably reflect on your whole career because it, before that race, she would have gone, this is it for me. This is my last sort of competitive, really competitive um you know, event that I'm going to be running in, but you can hear the competitive nature of her voice to when the she, day she leaves this egging this her earth. Yeah, teammates. We'll always on. have that, and it's a tough sport, like because you have to put kilometres in your legs. What, what did you say? 180 k's oh, a week. Yeah. That's similar to you when you're training. <laughs> you. I wouldn't have run 180 k in my life. <laughs> Serious. Hold my hand, Grant. Let's feel closer to you for some reason after hearing that. So good. So good. Uh, if you're just tuning in, of course, where the hell have you been? It's 18 minutes away from 12 o'clock. You missed Melissa Moon, who was our Saturday session legend, the former world mountain running champ and general superstar. My law, what an incredible uh, path she has cut over the years um, and still competing live from the National Road Relay where she ran early and didn't even sound tired, did she? No. What and was it was cheering on her teammates. Go! Go! This mid-interview. Yes. Absolutely loved it. So that will be up on her social media accounts a little bit later if you missed it. Highly recommend it. Um, she, she's just a star. I'm getting nervous because I've seen all the texts coming through now after you and Ben Francis have thrown something into the mix. Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm guessing by default, because I was you know, stupidly throughout, what is the tallest building in New Zealand? Not knowing what the tallest building is in New Zealand, it's probably the Sky Tower, right? Ben Francis, yeah, being the producer, you would have fact-checked this in the break um, because a lot of people have suggested one particular event that actually takes place at the Sky Tower in Auckland, uh, Grant. So uh, it looks like the Sky Tower has been chosen for you okay. uh, because we want to recreate uh, Melissa Moon's uh, efforts winning the Empire State Building race. Yeah, uh, if you don't... That, that, she did that. She ran up the Empire State Building, 86 flights of stairs, um, which to, which she did in 12 and a half minutes. It was 12 and a half minutes. Yeah, 12 and a half minutes. Uh, which is just mind-boggling uh, in its own right, isn't it? Um, I, I've forgotten how many stairs there were. It was over 5,000, wasn't it? Well, the Sky Tower, I'm just reading, is 328 metres high. Um, so I don't know how tall the... 1,576 stairs. There you go. 86 floors, 1,576. Um, some people, Grant, have uh, answered us um, and said... Why not get Mr. Elliot to compete in the Fireman Challenge and run up the Sky Tower in full equipment? Now, me, Wade. Thank you, Wade. Jim. Hey, Jim from Tamuga, isn't it? The hairy Jav should try the Firefighters Challenge up Sky Tower with all the firefighters gear on. Looks on television as absolute hell. 
in capitals, it's a yearly challenge. Uh, someone else's uh, text that you should do it with cricket pads, a bat, gloves, helmet on. That would be quite funny. But I, I'd, 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 you know, the guy, type of guy I am, I'd much prefer if you suffered. So I'd like to see you in full fire fighting gear, which I think weighs around 25Ks, doesn't it, Ben? That's right, and I and I thought to top it all off afterwards, we should get him to a jump off the off the sky tower too, because of course you can do like a bungee yes. a bungee off it. So why not get him to do that as well? So what's that? Eleven hundred stairs plus twenty five kg of gear on, um, and I'm now reading the official website for first time entrants or those who need to build up their fitness. Start as soon as you can. This is a challenging and demanding event, and not. For the unfit or faint-hearted. So unfortunately, I can't do it because I am both unfit and faint-hearted. Well, I'll tell and you... Ben can't do it either because he just doesn't want to. So it looks like we've just missed the boat for this year. It looked like oh. it was on the 20th of August, but that's fine. What a real it, shame. That means I can train for it. But it looks like the, uh, the best time was nine minutes, um, and that was by someone called Ben Smith. I don't know if that's the accountant, Ben Smith, um, or not. <laughs> But, and he did it in nine minutes, um, and there's certain levels. So we might have a more famous Ben Smith than Ben Smith. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Uh, but it's 328 meters uh, high, the Sky Tower, and the Empire State Building is only 381, so we're only talking 60 meters difference. Right. So Melissa did hers in 12 minutes with, like, 500 more stairs. Yeah. No, she's a machine. But no, Ben Smith doing it in nine minutes with 25 KGs of five. That's impressive too. Uh, we should get him on the show. That man deserves a DB. Um, <laughs> we should get him on the show maybe uh, next year. Uh, thank you for, for everyone who's uh, contributed and uh, trying to twist Grant's arm. Uh, we can add that to the list of uh, the Grant Elliott challenges here on SENZ for which we are waiting for him to um, complete his second. He's done one. He entered the New Zealand chilli eating competition live on the show. and got relegated, didn't he, Ben? I think he got relegated to the championship. I think uh, Greg Iron Guts Barlow and Jesse Painter would have been a little bit disappointed. <laughs> so still waiting for you to do your row- rowing skulls, yep. your width championship against Beaver, yep. and the hot, eagerly anticipated swimming, you know, during Shark Week we'll do it. <laughs> during Shark Week, we'll have a computer-generated shark going alongside you too. Just so you soil yourselves. Oh, we've got ski jumping you've got to do? You've got to do the ski jumping? That's into the inflatable pillar. Yeah. yeah if I make it that jump. far. We might have to build one, uh, but we're willing to do it. Um, we're all very much looking forward uh, to these challenges. Um, and getting Sean White on the show, as mentioned yeah, earlier. I've given, oh, John's, ben, I've given up on that. John Haven't Sturgeon you, Park. That and and visit John Sturgeon Park, which is the easiest of the challenges. Yeah. I drove past it, yeah. and then it was too late to go back. Yeah. Could have done that. I could have taken that off. You get, get, you've got to get a lift with Nigel Yolden, though. Yeah, true. Yeah, true, Nigel true. said he'd, he'd take you down. Yeah. It would be a good trip. That would be a good trip. Uh, we'll take a break. It's 13 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Eight minutes away from 12 o'clock, coming up towards the top of the hour. We've got a double hit for you after 12 o'clock. We'll look at the NRL Grand Final. Joel Kane's going to join us. Can't wait for that as we uh, preview the Panthers up against the Eels. Also catch up with uh, Dominic Bird out of the Wellington uh, Lions, who are current Ranfilly Shield holders and oh. over summer. Uh, before we uh, get to that, uh, I'm going to get my nomination in, uh, Grant. My actual nomination. Nominations. 
uh, for our Midas Tyres uh, Workhorse of the Week. Who or what team has been the hardest worker this week? Who has been toiling the land and bringing out the best uh, as far as sport is concerned in association with Midas uh, Agri Tyres, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. Uh, European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agri Tyres for your equipment. I'm going to go to Europe and Berlin in particular. Eliab Kipchoge gets my love this week. This guy is a phenomenon. He's 37, 38 years of age now. You might remember him from a couple of years ago, Grant, where he broke the two-hour mark in it for a marathon in that paced event in Vienna. It was a flat track, um, so it wasn't officially recognised. It was like... Um, a flat track bully. Well, no, it was, it was designed to see if he could break two hours, mm. and he did. Um, he's been chopping huge amounts of time off his... Um, his uh, marathon times and on Sunday he took a, another giant step to breaking the two hour milestone where he smashed his own world record by shaving off a staggering 30 seconds as he finished the race in two hours one minute and nine seconds uh, no pace setters in this one of course unlike um, was witnessed in Vienna um, and I, I, I've seen some journalists uh, claim that um, uh, that effort on Sunday was the greatest physical feat of all time Wow. This, this is a guy who once shaved 78 seconds off his previous best in the marathon in 2018. So he's getting better in his late 30s. So who knows? Who knows where this ends up? So he's my nomination for our, our workhorse of the week. That guy is a unit. Don't they, get, um, don't they get perks, like monetary perks, if they keep breaking their personal best? I'm sure. So you sure, don't you don't want to yeah. go all out. You want to just say <laughs> you just want to break it and then break it again and go. Oh, you know I'm getting better. Oh, I don't want to run under two minutes one today. No, oh. two hours one. But it sounds similar to um, the fitness uh, tests that we had to do as cricketers. So we had the um, the yo uh, the beep test. Then it was the yo yo test. And the beep test was like you had to get I don't know twelve six twelve five or something like that. So I always used to just do it out to twelve five. Because I thought, as I get older, I don't want corners, them to. Eh? Counting corners, No, I don't want them to think, oh, he's getting older now. So I always had something like left in the tank, and then my last. Did year, you act? Did you fall over? Oh, gassed? Oh, oh, oh. absolutely gassed at twelve five. Now the fitness trainer knew um, that I, I was doing it, and he always wanted me to keep pushing myself. But I was like, nah. Be honest, in a in a in a, you know, the twenty contracted list of players or twenty three, whatever it was, how many would have failed that test? No, towards the end, not many. It at was the beginning? Ma maybe. Yeah, in oh, the beginning, there's probably, you're looking at maybe five. But then <laughs> towards the end of my career, there's maybe one or two, maybe. But nowadays? No, no, no one would the fail it now. useless, yeah. unathletic cricketer is a thing <laughs> of the past. I think so. For New Zealand, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to our weekend warriors who are getting ready for another cricket season. <laughs> yeah. We, we know where the real cricketers are. After listening to Melissa Moon run 180 kilometres a week. Good luck to you, fellas. Uh, we will be back to talk some rugby and rugby league. Stay with us here on SCNZ. This is the Saturday session. Get your nominations in for the Workhorse of the Week to double eight, double three. Love to hear who you want to shout about. Happy afternoon, everyone. It is bang on 12 o'clock final hour of this show, the Saturday session. Keep your messages coming through, double eight, double three. The pithier, the better. We do like that. Uh, all Black number 1127 is going to join us very shortly Part of the Wellington Lions, the mighty Wellington Lions The rampant Wellington Lions, the Ramfilly Shield holders The Wellington Lions, this show comes out of Wellington You might have uh, detected uh, Dominic Bird's going to join us to talk about uh, winning the Shield Holding on to it for the summer um, And then I, I guess what 
arguably an even more important part of it, or definitely more important part of it, winning maybe a national title. And they're humming along seven in a row, I think it is, for Wellington. Yeah, gee, they look like they're playing with so much passion, and I'm just so glad that Dominic listened to me when I spoke to him <laughs> in quarantine about the season coming up and what he needed to do and how he needed to really dig throw, in. Yeah, and throw his 2 meter oh six frame around. He's yeah. a big man. Man, huge. Like how, like how you just keep looking up? Well, I'm 189, and I did feel like a bit of a dwarf. Yeah. And What's that an old language? It's about six nine, right? Six eight, six nine. Yeah, it would be. I mean, we can can do a little conversion, but yeah, that's up there. A two meter Peter. It's taller than two meter Peter, but just the sheer frame of the man. It's just it's intimidating. He's there. It's a great and, to have so you're him in, in Wellington. Quarantine, yeah, and then you run into Don Bird, and he probably spent the rest of the two weeks trying to get away from you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Bird, perfect time uh, to join us. W- was I right in that uh, depiction? Did uh, Grant Elliott, the hairy javelin, just annoy you during uh, lockdown? <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, he could only annoy me for an hour a day while we did laps up and down <laughs> the uh, little our little grass strip. What did you talk about on your little laps? It sounds very serene and almost romantic. <laughs> no, the truth is, no, it was actually gold. It was it was really good. I mean, you, you know, it's like you're stuck in a room. Um, for, for that couple of weeks and, and that hour a day that you get. No, it was good. That was um, with Jav and, and, and Guppy. You know, we're just, um, you know, telling stories and whatnot. But it was, no, it was, a, it was a real pleasure. I, I was just saying to him, I said, I'm, I'm really glad that you listened to me about all that rugby chat that I had <laughs> and advice to give you during quarantine and you put it into practice yeah. during the season. <laughs> It really gave me a lift, yeah. Just that that yeah. other perspective, yeah, made a big difference. No, thank you. No, you 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 you're welcome, mate. And um, <laughs> what what I do want to say is, when I've watched Wellington play in these last two Ranfurly games, um, and I've loved watching you guys play. The first one, um, where you beat the Hawks Bay, I said to Daniel on the show, I said I haven't seen a domestic sporting event like that where two teams were so desperate and so passionate to win. Uh, they were throwing everything at the game, and um, there was none of this matey matey smiling and helping people up after a tackle. That was very physical game. Um, is that something that the team's been working on? Oh no, I think that's real natural. You know, that that was natural. That was you know that shield rugby, and also there's a big rivalry with Hawks Bay, especially mm-hmm. considering there's a lot of you know Hurricanes players there, so a lot of or mates as such, but um, you know, when it comes to games like that, you know, it's it's all on the line, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of beef, you know. But it makes it good, you know. It makes it great. I I enjoy that. Boys get up, and everyone gets fired up, and in each other's face and stuff. And no, it's all part of it, you know. It's what people come to see. Yeah, I, I tried to tell Grant uh, that I I call it the Clint Newland Cup after Clint Newland's famous right hand on the Mia Tealata. There's a bit of a yeah, Were you there? I was, I was there as a kid, yeah. I was there as a young fella. I remember that game clear as day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I, was didn't yeah, didn't Hawks Bay, Bay like, win no. it in the, like, five minutes after the 80-minute mark? Or something? That's what I... Yeah, I've got, I've got vague, yeah, yeah. vague recollection yeah, of that. And one. here we go in 2022. I thought Hawks Bay were going to do it again. I know you haven't been in Wellington all that long, Don, but you've completely embraced what it is to be a Wellington Lion. You were so in, in control of that Shield Challenge... 
I, I thought you were by far the better side in the second half for 36, 37 minutes, but there's one missed penalty, and, you know, Hawks Bay almost steal it at the end. How stressful was that last couple of minutes? Oh, no, and I've said it before in another interview, but, you know, that's shield rugby. You know, it just it has a, a, you know, it has another another kind of level of, of, of energy that, that comes out of those games. You know, there's always um, a bit of adversity of some sort, you know, so... That's just shield rugby, you know. It's it's all on the line, and um, yeah, I guess you just got to be clinical, especially right at the end. We didn't quite finish with a, you know, that, that crucial blow, but um, they come back, and then we still managed to to sneak it in. So all good. Tom, what what makes this team um, so special in these last two Ranfurly um, Shield clashes? Um, I noticed there's a lot of a mix between experience and youth. But what do you put it down to these last two games? Because I th- think you guys have been exceptional. Yeah, I mean, and it's I think you know the last two games we've definitely seen it, but it's been it's been brewing since the start of the season, and actually it's been brewing since uh, since you know Kane's season finished, and we knew that we're um, we're you know there's a few senior guys, you know, we knew we we're kind of all in the same boat, and everyone was real hungry and. We knew we had the the squad to do it, so no, it's it's been brewing for a while. But it's you know we've got a, a yeah, like you say, good bit of experience balanced with some real quality young guys, some some excellent young talent. But you know everyone's just really pedalling in the right direction. We've got the leaders group, which just you know we're we're on the job each week and and. You know, addressing you know, okay, well, what's our mindset for for you know this week against counties? We're in top position currently, but you know, just making sure we're not uh, getting complacent and we're always striving to be better. So, no, it's good. The main thing is, yeah, minds are all um, all, all in together, and we're we're all paddling in the right direction. Six wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken. You start the season with a win against Bay of Plenty, then you lose to Canterbury in a pretty one-sided game. They go okay, Canterbury. They're a good side. But that loss to Northland, 15 points to six, was, was that, a, was that a, a checkpoint? Did you have to get in the sheds and go, hello, guy, come on, guys, um, we're better than this? Was it a bit of a turning point and a loss in a strange way? Yeah, it was. It definitely was a turning point. You know, that's, that's yeah, we did we did really turn a corner at that stage. Uh that was kind of like a bit like what we were like uh, last year. You know, we were quite up and down. We might play brilliant one week and then kind of, you know, garbage the next. Um, and and you know, not not playing our own game. You know, hey, that that week against Northland, we tried to play with the ball and hand far too much rather than playing smarter and putting the opposition, you know, down back in their end and having them play out. You know, especially when it was hosing down uh, for that game in Potirua. But, yeah, I mean, we're just playing smarter footy for sure, and we've just realised that everyone's kind of clicked um, in that sense. And, and, yeah, that was a big turning point, and, we, and we've just been smarter rugby players since then. Hey, uh, Dom, you mentioned everyone's paddling in the in the right direction. Um, does... Does uh, win, winning the Ranfurly Shield does it give a little bit more impetus into that team um, drive and maybe validate the hard work that you're putting in behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that keyword validate. You know, like you, you, you really feel like, geez, hey, look, there's a bit of credit right there sitting at, at the front of our team meeting. You know, there's, a, there's the Ranfurly Shield right here. So, are we doing something right? So, yeah, it does. 
of a good bit of recognition to actually, hey guys, we're a great team. We're, we're doing the right things. And then you know, then there's this you know overwhelming energy that comes from the Ramfurly Shield, and it's it's immense. You know, the boys have you know we celebrated well after uh, after winning it in Hawke's Bay, and then and then the boys went you know cracked on big after um, Waikato as well. Which is what you've got to do, you know. That's doing that respect to the shield, and it's also building, building that camaraderie and that you know that strength within a group. Um, that, that that you know that's still flowing now and, and, and will flow on through the rest of the season. But yeah, it's gold, man. That, that that kind of energy, extra energy is is, is crucial. I, I do like to hear that. I was interested, uh, Grant, if they got to celebrate twice for p- tucking away for summer. Uh, and plus, they only had six days to turn around. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a niggly sort of turnaround, and Waikato was looming as a big threat. But 34 points to six, it's a pretty uh, emphatic way to, to tuck that shield away. But it's um, business, um, well, carries on, doesn't it? Because you don't want to sully the season by ta- tapering off. And, you know, if, if we look at the table, counties sort of, um, you know, on the lower side, but. Well, is there plenty of potential there? Are they dangerous opposition? Oh, of course. This is this is as dangerous as they get. You know, their last game of the season, they can, you know, they can tip over the Lions to finish finish on a high. You know, thinking from their perspective, and you know, they got nothing to lose, and they're, you know, how you look at their side, a group of guys like that when they've got nothing to lose, and they can go out and just razzle dazzle. You know, that's. It's almost as dangerous as it gets, you know. So, uh, yeah, we've got to be clinical, and, and, and we've, you know, we have set the standard high for ourselves that we want to be, you know, building momentum through this next phase of the season. So, no, it, it is definitely something we're aware of. Uh, they'll be a good side. Hey, Tom, uh, really appreciate it. I know that you you've just come off the the, the field from the captain's run, and a big game tomorrow, as you say, against Counties. Uh, we have. Posted you a GoPro to try tape that to the shield. Yeah, please can uh, you do that for us over the summer. We'd love to see uh, the traction and the G- GPS. We're going to be uh, tracking oh, it. I'll be on... the greatest sporting documentary ever. <laughs> I'm serious here. This 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 will make New Zealand rugby a fortune. Just uh, slap a GoPro no, 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 on it through yeah. here. Yeah, a new Netflix show, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I did send Daniel McCarty to the game uh, on the weekend with some duct tape and a GoPro, but he failed to put it on. But no, I found uh, every cider in the building. Though <laughs> we're, we're really uh, we're really lucky to have you in Wellington. Uh, really proud of what you guys have achieved, and um, good luck for tomorrow's game. Thank you for your time today on the show. No, thank you very much, guys. We'll um, ho- hopefully try and catch up with the Shield at some stage. You know, <laughs> awesome, Don. Thanks uh, a lot, eh? Okay. And he can hold it in the palm no, of his one hand. <laughs> Don Bird out of the Wellington Lions, who take on Counties Monaco tomorrow afternoon at five past two. Um, as far as uh, games, well, we mentioned this uh, editor at large. It was Hawks Bay uh, beating Tasman by eight points last night. Um, the lie of the land today, Grant, it's Southland up against North Harbour. Auckland play Taranaki and Otago take on Canterbury. Um, big job for Otago, as uh, we also outlined an editor-at-large uh, to get into the playoffs. Uh, tomorrow it is uh, the aforementioned counties up against Wellington. Uh, Northland up against Manawatu. Uh, Manawatu still looking for a victory, aren't they? And Waikato, after last week's um, Shield disappointment, where they just didn't fire a shot, really. Um, a take on Bay of Plenty. I feel a six-league multi coming on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you, you know, that the whole idea of our sporting punts is to tell a story around it. Well, the, the, the story is why you feel that 
that this is the bet of the week. You just go, six-league multi, I've chosen that one, that one, that one. $15! Yeah! Well, if it comes in, which I did have a few weekends where it came in, and I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah, I know. It's been a while since one of my six-league multis has come in. About a year? No, come on. It hasn't been that bad. All right, we've got a couple of minutes. Um, Darts extraordinaire. Ben Francis, I definitely want to. I want to dig into that. Dig into the mind. I want to dig into that. Ben um, Francis. Ben Francis made his uh, professional sporting debut. Um, Ben's ben, would say is you know working with Ben really good at what he does. He can be hard on himself, Grant. I think that's fair. Very hard. I imagine on himself. he's been quite hard on himself when he's reflected upon what happened last week. I just want to say good on you, Ben. We're proud of you. He must be a perfectionist in, in some sort of ways. Uh, he goes against the grain of. A lot of professional darts players where he he's not a pint drinker. No, non, no. Non-drinker. Maybe that's his issue. I don't know. Non-drinker. Um, where I thought the prerequisite is you had to sink a few pints before you play, or even while you're playing. <laughs> Full the power, Taylor, yeah. those lads. Because um, it's generally you'd see people playing it in a pub. You wouldn't see it, you know, in a professional, I guess, you know, um, Gathering. Yeah. Are, are we just arena. going to slaughter him for the next two minutes or actually talk to him about his... Uh, ben, tell us, how, how did it go? No, how were you feeling? No, get, get, get to ben, the break. Get to the break. <laughs> you know, he doesn't like talking about himself. We need to speak about this, Ben. We We're going to make you speak about this, Ben, before we depart. How have, did it go? You have been warned, Ben. Paint the picture. So am I talking about Oh, we now? spoke to him on the show, didn't we? No, no, we'll, we'll take a break. We'll take a break. We'll get to him a little bit later, eh? We'll, we'll, we'll just make him stew on it. Okay. It's like the draw at 11 o'clock last Saturday when we spoke to him just before the draw. And then immediately when he hung up uh, and the draw came through, he told us who he, who he got. And I was like, ooh, Playing New Ben Zealand. Robb. Yeah. Oh, strong lineup he, w- he went up against. The robber. We'll, uh, we'll break that down a little bit later. But we're going to talk the NRL grand final after this break. Uh, Joel Kane's going to join us. It is the Eels up against the Panthers. The Panthers seem the smart money. If you speak to people who are in the know, uh, we'll break down uh, this rivalry uh, and who might have the edge for the NRL Grand final and the decider in 2020. Is that the great Jimmy Barnes? Is that the great Jimmy Barnes? He's playing at the NRL Grand Final like it's 1998 all over again. Oh, wow. He's waiting for Tina Turner to be announced next year. Yeah. They should treat it like the, um, the AFL, shouldn't they? Not the AFL, the NFL, sorry. NFL. I mean, that's a spectacle, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, if it has a singer. I, I'm not or, sure the NRL has the budget of the NFL to get, you know. Dr. Dre and all his mates for a 15-minute show in one of the best live sets I've ever seen, as, as far as the aesthetics of it. Well, not just the musical the ability, Women's or World Jack Cup final uh, at the MCG, they had uh, Katy Perry, and they packed it out, 96,000 yep. or whatever it was. That's the, that's the recipe. You get a, a decent entertainer, followed by a little bit of sport, not longer than three hours, uh, the sport. Then maybe the entertainer goes for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two. You've got half a day there of just, what a great day, which is similar to what Eden Park did the other weekend. You're a big so, Jimmy Barnes fan? Oh, yeah. I enjoy most music. <laughs> I enjoy yeah, most music. You're not sounding that convincing to me. Well, I enjoy most music. I don't really have favorite. My first ever album that I bought, CD, oh, dear. was uh, um, Bob Marley, Legend. That's pretty sound effort. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Not bad. That, that is very nice. Very nice. 
Uh, all going well. We'll catch up with Joel Kane shortly to actually talk about the NRL Grand Final. He, of course, one half of Joel and Fletch. You often hear them here on SENZ. Busy man. Hopefully we can get through to him to get a bit of a preview. But uh, Grant Elliott, um, also coming up on SENZ, we will have um, the T20 uh, Cricket World Cup for um, our listeners. Uh, and the New Zealand squad was announced. I forgot exactly what day. Uh, but in, since we were last with you. Yeah, it was it was actually a while, but I think it was last week. It yeah. was sort of mid last week because um, Beave and Kurs phoned me and asked me about it. Um, and I think there were some interesting inclusions. Probably, you know, Finn Allen is someone that stands out. He's obviously done quite a bit leading up to this, shown real signs. Um, Adam Milne, someone who's been injured, but you know, come back into the fold. Um, and there's good variety in the bowling options, isn't there? Yeah, and you've some, got yes, some. Real canny seamers and swing bowlers. Yeah, I mean... A good blend of spin bowling too. So I always look at the T20 teams and I go, right, at the top of the order, you want uh, dashes. You want some explosive power at the top. So you've got the likes of Guptill, Finn Allen, and I mean, even Devin Conway could open there. Um, I like a little bit of yin and yang there with with, uh, Guptill or Finn Allen being the power players. Um, And then you want a leg spinner. So we've got Ish Sodi in the squad. I don't know of his first choice, though, because obviously Satner is always our first choice spinner. And then we've got the pace of Ferguson and Milne. Um, and a little bit of swing bowling and brilliance from Trent Bolt and Southey. So um, we do have our bases covered. You also need some good finishers. So we've got the likes of Nisham, Mitchell, Bracewell, Chapman and Glenn Phillips, which would sort of tidy up those finishing roles. And the likes of Kane Williamson, Devin Conway are kind of the people that steady the ship and keep the innings going just um, so that you're not losing wickets at both sides. I know you and Darren Chuckberry during um, our coverage of the Chapel Hadley series uh, were talking about specialists. Mm. Um, and the, I know it's the one-day format we were talking about specifically then, but does that sort of hold true in the T20s as well? And, I mean, do you when you pick a side, you pick, are you picking the five best bowlers? Do you know what? There's only one position or, that... There's four best bowlers. How, how do you do the mat the yeah. there? The way that it works out is that you normally pick your four best bowlers and there's always one position, which is either do we pick a specialist bowler or batter or do we pick a all-rounder? So your all-rounder would be like, you know, your Chapman, Nisham or Michael Bracewell. Or do you go, hey, let's sacrifice that batter because the stats were done um, a number of years ago and they worked out that in the IPL, the number seven batter only faced seven balls mm. on average. So you go, okay, well... Do we play a bowler who can bowl potentially 6 to 12 balls? Do we have a batter that faces just 7 balls? Um, and that, that's the, the dilemma that you always have around that sort of number 7, number 8 position. So to me, it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what you end up picking. I don't think it has as much bearing on the game as your top players that I've already mentioned, and that is your top four batters. And probably your top four bowlers. Okay, give me your top five. I want a top five batting lineup and a top and your, your the four best bowlers. Because okay. I know you love sitting on a fence with picking eleven. Yeah. So Guptill Allen, do they open? So I or think is it Conway Allen because you want a dasher. Finn Allen is that dasher. Can I go with my bowlers first? No, because okay, you build um, it because because I'm I like being difficult. So I'm going to bracket. I'm going to bracket. Um, Guptill. Start, ladies and gentlemen, Grant Elliott is starting with a bracket. Yeah. That's okay. I'm I'm going to say Finn Allen and Conway. So Guptill's out. 
Well, only because they didn't well, play him in the last game. He doesn't bet three, does he? Yeah. He, he opens or not. They didn't play him in the last game. Okay. Um, and then you go uh, Williamson, Conway. Um, and so then Allen and Conway open. Williamson at three. Williamson at three. Then you've got Daryl Mitchell at four. And then um, we're probably looking at Glenn Phillips at five. Four bowlers. Uh, Your top four bowlers are? It's Ferguson, Southie, Bolt, and Sapman. So Milne misses out, Sodi misses out. Yeah, yeah, and Milne would be bracketed with Ferguson because they like for like. As far as the top frontline yeah. bowlers, and then it's about balance. Do you want all-rounders or do you want a Or do you want Sodi or Milne? So that's the thing. Yeah. Is like, do you go for another all-rounder or do you go for the likes of Sodi because we know that leg spinners can wreak havoc in a T20 team, or do you go for that extra pace because you want to get wickets through the middle? Um, and generally, you'll bowl, if you've got that extra pacey, you're not, you're not going to bowl Ferguson mm. four overs through the middle. You might bowl him you know, two up front and two at the end. Um, so that gives you the opportunity to bowl Milne or Sodi through the middle to get wickets. So the big takeaway is Martin Guptill misses out of your uh, side. Um, Sodi sort of... Uh, well... I'd, I'd like to see him. I, I like wrist spinners in Australia. Um, but I understand the argument for, for Santa too. The numbers sort of back that up. Um, my question is, is Southie? Yeah. No, tough Southie's... one. It's a, it's a good position to be in. That's all I'll say. Uh, yeah. New Zealand start their campaign against uh, Australia. So a pretty easy first up game, right, against the defending champions. It's a rematch of the final, which, of course, Grant and I had the privilege of being able to call for you here on uh, SCNZ. We will, again, have uh, commentary uh, here on the station that is uh, from Australia, um, uh, from our dear friends uh, across the ditch at SEN. Uh, Joel, um, Kane has sent his apologies. He can't make it. He can't do it right now, uh, which is a real shame. Uh, NRL fans, we do apologise. We're really keen to get his expert opinion on how this uh, grand final is going to play out. Um, Grant and I, Ignoramus is in this field. Ben Francis is probably the best option, uh, but he stopped watching the NRL after the, the regular season. Um, he probably shrugs his shoulders if I say to him, Ben, do you care? Are the Panthers as warm a favourite as they do appear at uh, most betting agencies? Uh, do the Eels not really have a sniff? I, I think I heard on the show, might have been from um, the Bricky team, saying the Panthers have to play badly to lose. That, that's, uh, in my understanding of sport, it's a grand final, right? In- it's a grand final. I'd say in I don't finals, think a team needs to play badly for the other team to win. It's the other team can game. play really well, can't they? And beat a decent side. Mm. Is a, this is a foregone conclusion, Ben, as a, a lot of people seem to be projecting? Well, I think it's just the fact that the Panthers are such, or they've been so dominant over the last few years, but you have to look at the games that they have slipped up in. They have been against the Eels. They've lost They lost them twice in the regular season. The grand final is a one-off game. Many of these players in the Eels, uh, Mani, Papali'i, among mm. them, they're playing their last game. And this is going to be kind of like this. You could say this is kind of the end of that Eels era. So they all want to go out and end that period of their careers on a high. So they're going to, of course, want to stop the, the, Panthers, um, the Panthers' dominance. So look, it's a grand final. As we know, anything can happen. Panthers deservedly the favourites, but there's no reason why the Eels can't upset them. No, surely, right? It's not like you getting to a World Cup final. (laughs) But the the thing is with finals uh, in sports is that it is anyone's game. Surely. And 
I think that you've got more chance going in as an underdog because you've got nothing to lose. I think that when there's expectation, with expectation comes fear of failure. If you go in as a team that's expected to lose, like the Eels, well, you know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. You just throw it on the table. That makes the team dangerous. We heard Dominic Bird say, he said, Counties Manukau got nothing to lose here. So teams are dangerous when they have nothing to lose because they can play that razzle-dazzle. Um, and if it blows up in their face, well, they're no better off than they were before they started. You have to believe you can win it. Is it one of those things, Ben, where people are looking at the week one of the finals where it was pretty lopsided, but, but there was an error-ridden sort of performance, you know, the high ball. Th- those things can be remedied, right? Uh, the the scoreline was, was so heavily skewed towards the Panthers because, you know, the Eels helped them out that chances of, of that happening second time around seem quite slim to me. Well, just look at how well they've played in the last couple of games. So they they shows that they can bounce back. There is going to be nerves, uh, I think, as expected in any final you play in. But as yeah, we we kind of just touched on, it's a grand final. It's a one game shootout. There, there's you can you could create multiple storylines for both uh, teams, and you could create arguments for both teams and why they're going to win. So I don't see there's no reason. It's probably going to be a lot more competitive than I think what people are making it out to be. Yeah, uh, to win in Townsville. When no side has won a playoff game before uh, last week to actually uh, you know book your spot through to a grand final, a win like that, Grant, in a semi-final can do wonders, right? Yeah, it so does. I, I think play. your whole campaign, you start believing, and it's probably not not at the start. You get your combinations going, and there's a few injuries, and you know a few changes, and then suddenly you get a little bit of momentum. But when you get into finals um, of a competition. That's when, you know, all of that homework that you've done in the pool stages and combinations and all of that is out of the window. Then it's just desperation. Let's do whatever you can do because you've got to lay it all on the park. You don't have to, I guess, you know, pace yourself because you've still got half a season left or there's that those thoughts of form as a player. You can go out there and be an absolute hero for your team. And it's the stage for it. This is the sort of stage that you dream as, as as a child. You dream to be on this stage. So if you're not reveling in the fact that you're playing in a finals competition of your chosen sport, well, then you shouldn't be there. So it's exciting as a player. And I think that, you know, if you can get the fans behind you and if you can calm yourself and your anxiety, play with clarity, um, but with a lot of passion, I think that, um, you know, you, you'll have a great game. And, it's about the leaders of the team bringing that, that team together to make sure that they go and approach that game with a lot of passion, a lot of enthusiasm, and just lay it all on the field. Like, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. There should be a bit of starch in this one. This is a long rivalry, I think, you know, 50-year rivalry between these uh, two clubs. They, they don't get along. They're, they're not great mates. Um, and, and I'm certainly doing my best to, to sort of elevate the chances of the Eels. I'm by no means saying they're going to win it. Um, you might have to wait to our sporting tips. You might need to run a mile from uh, before I actually tell you um, what I think about this one. But I, I, I just find for a grand final we can be too dismissive of, of people. And generally I, I was, and I've got no evidence to base this on other than gut feel and my own memories, but often in those games they're the ones where there is an upset. Oh, they'll win. It's, you know, it's going to be a lopsided final. It uh, doesn't always uh, appear to, to, to be the case. Um... That is all still to come. What time's kickoff? Should we should we run a sweep on what time kickoff will actually be, Ben? I don't even know what, what time, time it is meant th- to kick off, to be honest. 
Um, no, the grand final is due to kick off at 9.30. But over or under 9.30, it's definitely over. The question is, is it under 10? Closer to 10 than 9.30. N- N- NRL and kickoff times. Um, state of origin and kickoff times. It's hilarious, isn't it? Do they have the national anthem? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll have all that. But it's your schedule kickoff time is X. They always sort of drag it out in, in some way to, I don't know, ram more advertising down our throat or, or build this false sort of you know, hype around the game. So just get to kickoff. What time's kickoff? Why is it so hard to stick to a kickoff time? Because I'm getting into old man grumpy territory. Where I'm at 10 o'clock at night, to, to, it's getting a bit late for me. It's, really... it's getting a bit late. If you kick off late, I can't watch the game live, and I like watching the game, and I wake up and the phone's... Uh... First world problems, eh, Ben? First world problems. It's, it's, right. it's tough as a player because you have to listen to uh, sometimes the national anthems. So you've got you know Sri Lanka singing their national anthem, and you've just warmed up. By the time they finish their five-minute national anthem... Oh, how dare they have a national anthem too? You just want to be like New Zealand rugby. We do the haka and no one else can do anything else. <laughs> Just New Zealand's national anthem, and we'll sing both, both versions, and you guys get nothing. Absolutely. Absolute nothing. It's the world according to Grant Elliott, future benevolent dictator of world sport. <laughs> uh, we are five minutes and 45 seconds away from the scheduled jump time of uh, race number three at Rickenden Park. We'll take a short break. Our racing fans, uh, we'll cross straight there when we return after this. Alrighty, it is now 10 minutes away from uh, 1 o'clock. To apologise for any technical difficulties uh, you may have experienced in the last uh, few moments. Uh, great to have you on board. Um, thanks so much uh, for your company throughout the duration of the programme. Huge thanks to our guests too. Melissa Moon was a particular highlight. She what was a legend. amazing. Absolute legend. She was live at a sporting event where she'd run and was cheering and actually, I think, did a pretty good job at commentator. <laughs> Yeah, you could hear the passion in her voice, but every time we have someone on that legend segment, um, you can hear how one how passionate they are about the sport. Two, it's about community. A lot of them are actually at sporting events helping kids. And then the last one um, is that uh, they they've just got this drive during their career to work harder than the person next to them. Uh, ben Francis, producer extraordinaire, has been working feverishly um, uh, for resolving those issues. We do appreciate it. Uh, we're probably not going to have time to speak to him about his his darts now because he's he's otherwise preoccupied, otherwise occupied, which is a real shame. I'd like to know, what would he have paid on the tote to beat Ben Rob? And he pushed him hard. He, he saved his best for his best com- for his biggest biggest name rival, which um, that's a good sign. Mm. That's a really good sign, I think. And a promising um, start to his career. Career. Um, and I tell you what, when he makes it, we, we're going to be leeches. Oh, oh, we're going to be all over him asking for handouts. Do, 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 we might even, do, do, should we start charging do, do. 10% like, like we're his managers? Well, we may as well, but yeah. we, we need those cards 180 as well. Yeah. I don't think he hit one 180 um, during his his competition, we but sell he wasn't far away. I did, actually. Thank you very much. Oh, did you? Oh, the stats were what? incorrect. What? Oh, the stats were incorrect, and I apologize. How many one hundred and eighty did you get? I got one in my last game. Oh, Oh, brilliant! Seriously, is it better than six? Is it pretty good? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) We all know the answer to that. Oh God, what? Wow! Oh, fantastic! What would you have paid to beat Ben Rob? Like you would have been a six, seven, eight, sixteen dollar outsider, you think, or something? No, I would have been like a probably a four hundred to one. In a, in a two-horse race. So you're saying there's a chance. We're bloody proud of you, and we look forward to, as, and I hopefully didn't hear the whole thing about being a leech. 
um, and uh, you know, sucking ten percent of his prize win in the future. <laughs> should we get to our sporting uh, tips? Uh, the listeners should probably run a mile from uh, NRL Grand Finals. Where I'm going to go? Oh, you're going to go I, the Eels. No. You're going the Eels. No, I know not. you are. No, no, no. I was going to. You know, I try to say it's all about the story around it. Wonga Blake, right? He had a bit of a rough time out last time these two uh, sides played. Under the high ball. He coughed up a few, cost some points. There's so much chat about that. I'm like, what are the chances? He scores from a kick. He's the one scoring. So I can't take my eyes off him being the first try scorer at $14. Mm. I like but it. I've, t- I've just talked myself into that. that that's, you know, that, that's all the narrative. Are you going to throw something down on it? <sighs> and I've tried desperately to um, to talk myself into the Eels, but I, I I think I'm still leaning to the Panthers, but I think this is much much tighter, much tighter. So, uh, What are the odds there for the Eels at the moment? Well, $1.36. Okay. $3.05, but the Eels... Three dollars oh five in a grand final. It's mm. quite tasty, isn't it? That is tasty. Okay, I'm doing it. The eels. I'm tipping it. The eels. The eels by how many? Oh, be a couple. Be t- two to six to eight max. How are they going to win it? They're going to have to come out firing. They have to get like the Panthers on the back foot. Week, yeah. They have to. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, Grant, what are you going with? Well, I'm going for something a little bit different. I've already. Re- today. I'm already regretting that. <laughs> I'm already regretting that. <laughs> something just a little bit different. I'm going to go for a six league multi. Uh, for the NPC, we spoke to Dominic Bird, um, and he spoke about their game against Counties Manukau, which I'm obviously going for Wellington. After their no high, bias here. No, no bias. We, we call so, it straight down the middle. North Harbour to beat Southland, Auckland to beat Taranaki, Canterbury to beat Otago, Wellington to beat Counties, Northland to beat Manawatu, and the Waikato to beat the Bay of Plenty. Six League Melty, giving you around $5. It's a sure thing. Uh, ben Francis, have you got one here for us? I'm immediately regretting mine. I'm now sort of leaning towards the Panthers at eight and a half points and under paying a dollar ninety. No, I've got I've got to stay with the Eels, don't I? I yeah. I'm well, you can change Eels. if you yeah. like, but you just might be called a coward. Oh! And we all know I'm very thin-skinned, so I'm not going to stand for that. So I'll I'll stick my neck out. Uh, the Eels, the Eels to win the grand final. I don't really believe it, but oh, gee, I'm going to dine no, out. I'm going to dine out next week, fellas, when they come in. Yeah, stick with it. You've yeah. been you've been pretty good this year, I reckon. All right, Mister Mister Opposite Time, Ben Francis. Final word. Good show, you just guys. Just going to bet. Yeah, good show. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. Always difficult trying to get the uh, the producer's take when he's trying to put out uh, technical fires. Uh, we do appreciate him for his wonderful multitasking on that front. Uh, we appreciate you for joining us. That's you, the listeners. Uh, more calls next week would be lovely. We'd like we'd like chatting to you. Yeah, where like was chatting. Dean? Where was Dean from Palmerston North? Where were you today? Well, after last Saturday. Yeah. Probably resting up. <laughs> Didn't sleep for two days. Big weekend of Big sport. weekend. Take it easy out there, everyone. Sport well. Catch you next week. Get those lawns done. See ya.